What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We have a Sunday recap coming up. Excited to break down all of week four with you. Looking forward to chatting with the super friends, John Brie, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner McGuff here. Debo producing as he does every day. We have eight shows. Eight shows a week, and sometimes nine or ten. That means that, like, on average, Debo has to listen to me talk for, like, <laughs> ten hours a week. That is horrible. So please give Debo some love. Um, shout him out on the iTunes mentions. You can leave uh, your favorite Debo moment or your favorite Super Friends moment or your favorite podcast moment, whatever it is. If you like it, love it, hate it, whatever, leave a review, leave a five-star rating. We're getting a bunch of those. The boss is noticing. They appreciate it. We've been getting shouted out in the company-wide newsletter. So do your thing. Leave reviews. Leave ratings. Hook a brother up. Let's hook you up with some NFL analysis diving into Week 14, a wild Week 14. that I don't know if there's like a ton of crazy finishes, but there's a lot of impactful playoff games Ryan Wilson, including the Chiefs winning 23 to 16 over the New England Patriots in Foxborough on Sunday afternoon. Jim Nance, Tony Romo on the call. The Chiefs covered the plus three. The under 49 hit. Patrick Mahomes had 15 points. He was the top fantasy performer. What concerns you more, Ryan? The fact that the referees, including Jerome Boger, the head guy here, are all idiots, or the fact that the Patriots offense couldn't get going for roughly a half against a bad Chiefs defense? Well, the Chiefs defense isn't, isn't bad. They're getting better. So I think that's noteworthy. And, yes, they screwed the Patriots out of a touchdown. But here's the thing about, about that. I can't recall a time in Tom Brady's 20-plus years in the league where the Patriots have been routinely screwed out of calls. This feels like one of the first ones that I can remember. And so I, I wasn't irate and getting fired up on Twitter and, and yelling and screaming. <laughs> I usually don't get fired up on Twitter and yell and scream, but I'm not yelling and screaming about the officials right now about the, these calls, even though they were blatantly, obviously wrong, and, and the Patriots in the end were screwed. And I don't know if they were screwed out of a win, but they were certainly screwed out of, of a chance to score more points, and one of those points being um, six by way of Nikhil Harry, who hasn't really shown up this year, partly because he's hurt, partly because he hasn't played well. So that's an issue. Uh, it's an issue that hasn't changed, and we can talk about this later. One thing that has changed suddenly is that they're calling pass interference, which week 14, here we are, they're doing it now around the league. But uh, in terms of this game, the same thing we've always seen this season with the, the Patriots offense. It's not very good because they don't have anyone to throw the ball to. Guys are dropping passes. The offensive line struggled. Uh, Isaiah Wynn played a little better this week than he did last, and I'm sure he'll play better next week. But there's still fundamental issues about this offense that isn't working. I think the bigger story for me is that – the Chiefs are able to move the ball on the Patriots' defense. Um, mm. Patriots' defense doesn't suck, but and they weren't exposed necessarily. But I think it just goes to show that good offense beats good defense. And I don't even know if the Chiefs', Chiefs offense was quote-unquote good. We know that um, Patrick Mahomes hurt his hand. He played through it. It looked like he hurt it early in the first quarter. And I thought, oh, well, that's it. That's a wrap. They're going to lose this game. Stayed out there. Made a lot of tough throws. The defense uh, for the Chiefs played well. Intercepted Tom Brady. Broke up the pass in the end zone. Breland did both of those things to end the game. And uh, it's a huge win. And we talk about the Ravens not being afraid to go into to New England and play the Patriots. Andy Reid don't care either. He'll play Bill Belichick anywhere, and he'll show up with his Hawaiian shirt and his menu and a couple play calls, and he'll be good to go. So, yeah, big win for them. Um, I picked the Chiefs to win this game. I think I won one game this week because so I was trying to make up some ground on Breach. Blew up in my face except for this win unless Breach wants to count this one for like 10, 10 wins. Sorry, yeah, Wilson. My my, uh, my takeaway from this game. Hey, Sean, here's the issue: when uh, when when Ryan references breach, 
That would indicate that you would allow I mean, John. Does anyone care about their picks? I mean, I mean, go for it. But when he says breach, like it's a clear segue to let breach start talking, and he had well, to dive in, be selfish. For here's the thing: months. I actually paused for a while, though. I was given, a, and then there was a long pause. So I was like, "Okay, I'll go for it." And I said, "Sorry, Ryan, but Sean, for several months, you have texted me and you ask what I wear." And you want to emulate my life, so I get you Wait, answering to Ryan's breach call. Uh, <laughs> can we rewind and talk about the fact the Chiefs almost had to forfeit this game because their equipment truck got lost on the way to Foxborough? <laughs> I mean, that's the most insane thing that's ever happened in a football game. You know who's driving game. the truck breach? Jerome no, Boger. Like, uh, <laughs> it's believable. Uh, but if anybody missed that part of the story, the Chiefs plane flew into Boston. They were going to unload it, take their stuff to Gillette Stadium. But there were high school state title games being played there on Friday and Saturday. So the Chiefs couldn't leave their equipment there. So they left it on the plane. But then the plane left Boston and went to Newark. And so on Sunday, there were 35 Chiefs players who didn't have any helmets or shoulder pads because the equipment was on this airplane in Newark, New Jersey, and if the equipment didn't get back to Foxborough by kickoff, the Chiefs would have had to forfeit. Okay. You know who should have forfeited? The officiating crew. I know Ryan lightly touched on what happened here, and I do realize that if Belichick calls up NFL office tomorrow morning, they're going to laugh in his face and be like, do you know how many calls the Patriots have gotten over every over the past 10 years? You've gotten every single one of them. This is the first time – you guys have ever had these kind of calls go against you. But you look what happened when the Chiefs had that fumble in the fourth quarter. Uh, they blew it dead. They blew it dead. They didn't even call it a fumble on the field. The Patriots made a clear recovery. Probably would have walked in for a touchdown. Uh, but instead, they said that Travis Kelsey was down. So they review it. They well, the pay- Breach, just to, just to clarify, worth noting. So leading up to that, there was a situation where Bill Belichick challenged the spot of a third down play or a fourth down play, a third down. He believed he got in the first down. He didn't get it. The challenge, uh, he lost the challenge. Then the Kelsey thing, what happened was they ruled that his forward progress had been stopped, no, which was even. The relay was down because you can't challenge forward progress. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, but I was, okay. <laughs> I was just clarifying. Continue on. So they ruled that he was down, which is why it was silly, because that you would think it was forward progress because he wasn't anywhere near the ground. His knee was a foot away from the ground. I don't know how anyone could have ever ruled that he was down, and I think anyone watching the game thought that they had ruled his forward progress. So now Belichick uses his second challenge, and Prince, I'm glad you brought it up because it is the challenges do come into play here. Uh, so Belichick has to use his second challenge to win to get the ball back. And since he lost the first challenge – that Brinson just mentioned when he was challenging a spot, Patriots are now out of challenges with the football. So later on this drive, and this is the NKL Harry uh, play that Ryan was talking about, Harry catches what should have been a touchdown pass. The ref said he stepped out of bounds at the three-yard line when replay clearly showed he was a good six inches inbounds. So the Patriots should have got a touchdown here. Belichick couldn't challenge it, though, because he was out of challenges. And so now... What happens? The Patriots probably should have scored a touchdown because they were down at the three-yard line, but they didn't. They got held to a field goal, and that was absolutely the turning point because now the Patriots are out of challenges. They had two calls blow up in their face, and then there was a horrible non-pass interference call toward the end of the game that they couldn't challenge because they didn't have any challenges. So Belichick, the master, looks, uh, blew it with his challenges, guys. I don't think he should have challenged that play that Princeton was talking about with the spot that gave the Chiefs first down. I know Sean wants to talk, so I'll be very briefly. The Kelsey thing, they, what if we can get to 20 minutes without Sean talking? It'd be awesome. 
Um, they, I'm actually just thing, listening to brand new right now. These headphones, so keep I, got, I got a fish concert. The fish Charleston Sunday night show blaring in the background. So I, I, don't, I don't really care. You can talk. Um, so they, um, so they was it was ruled down by contact is what was the ruling on Kelsey, which is weird because like I think what happened is they blew the whistle thinking his progress had been stopped or he was down or something like that. They made a mistake and blew the whistle. It that, looked like he was down. Like it looked like his elbow caused a fumble. Like live, so I was like, "Oh, that's that's what happened." I get that they challenged it, and it was a fantastic play by I think Devin McCourty. He punched the ball out twice in midair. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, I mean, I didn't think live, like live. I wasn't like he's definitely down. I was like live. I was like that's going to be close. But these guys have to understand you can't blow the whistle on that because you if you do that, and I understand like if it's if you're if you're if you're a hundred percent sure that it's that he's that he's down and that the ball should have been out, blow the. I mean, I get it, but like. If it's a bang bang play, you gotta kind of let it go, right? I mean, don't you think so? Because if you don't, then what happens is, I mean, the, it's a clear recovery. The Patriots probably would have scored there. And then, as Breach points out, the Inkeel Harry thing too. Uh, Jerome Berger was asked by pool reporter Mike Reese about this. Uh, Mike Reese of ESPN, uh, and and he said, "What led to that not being called a touchdown?" What led to it was the covering official in the wing was blocked out by defenders. The downfield official was on the goal line and looking back toward the field of play had that he stepped out of the three-yard line. So they got together, conferred on that. The final ruling was that he was out of bounds of the three-yard line. So in other words, the guy in charge of looking at it couldn't see it, so he threw it down the line to the guy who could see it best and asked, like, hey, should you just rule that a touchdown? Let it be a touchdown so it's automatically reviewed. They're like, not really. Those two officials who were covering it, they look at it in real time. The case is unique and that the guy who would have ruled touchdown had him short. So maybe if that ruling official on the goal line had a touchdown, we could have gotten into that. But he thought with that guy stepped out of bounds, the goal line wasn't in play. These people are a disaster. It is driving me insane. I mean, I get that officiating is hard. This is a difficult job and there's a lot going on. You got to deal with player safety. You got to deal with game management. You got to deal with a bunch of officials. You got HD cameras all over the place. Tons of rules changes every which way. You can't figure it out. I understand it, but you can't let the outcome of games be affected by these referees and it happens week in and week out. So Ryan, I would ask, I'm just kidding. Sean, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I was going to say, Look, I'm not excusing the officiating. The Patriots got screwed in this game. But to your point, Brinson, this does happen every single week, not to the Patriots, but at least one team, to the point where, like, it's happened so many times, I'm kind of numb to it, and I and I almost expect one team to get screwed over. And so for me, the larger issue is that the reason when they blow that play dead, as Stephon Gilmore has the ball, is running downfield, only Tyreek Hill is there, and Tyreek Hill can catch him, but he's probably not going to tackle him, you would think. He's a small guy. So the problem is that, it felt like such a significant turning point because you just did not have faith that even though the Patriots were going to get the ball, that their offense would be able to piece together a drive that would end in the end zone. And then when they actually do score the touchdown, it's called back. This should not be as big of a deal because the Patriots have first and goal at the three-yard line, and most good offenses should be able to score from first and three in the three-yard line, and it should not matter. Like, my entire thought process was that the Patriots are going to get seven, and what's going to screw them is that they're going to lose a minute off the clock because they only had one timeout left at that point. But they couldn't even punch it into the end zone. And so that, to me, is the bigger takeaway from the game where, yes, they got screwed by the officiating, but teams all across the league every week get screwed by the officiating. And this Patriots offense just isn't good enough to overcome those kinds of mistakes. And I think even Bill Belichick knows. If you look at the next drive, the Chiefs go three and out, and they punt the ball from their own 23-yard line. With 10 minutes left in the game and they're up by seven, 
And the Patriots didn't even stick a punt returner back there to return the punt. They went all out to block the punt because it felt like Belichick was saying, there's no way my offense is driving 70 yards down the field. We got to create some sort of turnover, something like that. And sure enough, they punt 57 yards because they don't block it and the ball bounces 20 yards on the ground. So that, look, you can blame the officiating. It just, it seems like it's not going to change. It's not worth analyzing because we know it's a problem. The bigger problem is this Patriots offense. And like what Ryan was saying, this team, this Patriots team is good enough to win the Super Bowl. Like their defense is good enough, but it seems weird to say that a team with Tom Brady, the most clutch quarterback of all time, who's known for his game winning drives and fourth quarter comebacks, it doesn't feel like they can come back on teams. The second they get down by a score or two scores, the game feels over. And if you look at I what mean, they're they doing, they had a play on, on fourth and goal to tie the game. Right, and they, but they didn't get it. And like, I mean, it, they had a play, like, like, like you're, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, Tony Romo had a great point too. He's like, listen, the, he's like, the Patriots just found something. Finally, they moved Julian Edelman out, they, they'd been running Julian Edelman in the slot, and he was being double teamed by a safety to, for obvious reasons, so you can't, Tom Brady couldn't get easy completions. Well, when they started sliding him outside, it forced the safety to slide over, and it gave him some looks in the middle. Now, I don't think that they're magically gonna have, um, you know, Antonio Brown step in. Adam Schefter of ESPN, I believe, reported on Sunday that, that, that Brown was probably, it wasn't going to happen. However, I mean, you know, if you have, if you open up the middle of the field for Jacoby Myers, for Keel Harry, for Matt Lacoste, I mean, you've got more stuff to work with. So I, I don't know that I would rule the Patriots out entirely on their offense. I think they're sort of figuring it out. Well, a couple things to back up Sean, because I feel like you're grasping at straws there, Brenton. Julian Edelman was tar- targeted 12 times. Jacoby My- Myers was targeted three times at one reception. I think he had at least one drop. And then um, also, the scoring play, hooky dooky play for that first touchdown to Julian Edelman. Another big play, which was uh, who threw that pass uh, on that long run in the James fourth quarter? James White, I think. Yeah, James White threw James the pass. White. So th- that's the offense. I mean, you can move Julian Edelman wherever you want to move him, but if that's the offense, that's how you're generating plays. And Tony Romo kept talking about that, too. Oh, they're best at trick plays than, than anyone in the league when they need to they call it. They dial it up at the right time. Well, they should have dialed up about two more of them because, yes, they got screwed, as Sean, Sean mentioned and we all mentioned. And, yes, they were at the three-yard line. They should have been able to score from the three-yard line, as Sean just mentioned. So if you're going to rely on, on hooky-dooky plays for the rest of the season as the, a big staple of your offense, you're not going very far. I mean, this team resembles nothing like last year's team that I think went 11-5, and five, right? And then, I mean, yeah, it, What do you mean it doesn't resemble last year's team? Last year's team had an offense. They had Rob Gronkowski. Was their offense that good last year? I don't think it was. It's better I mean, than this. Their offense was it's better. You at least had faith that in a crucial situation, like if you go back to the Chiefs game last year, you can go back to either of their matchups. But if you look at the playoff game, uh, they were well, able to score wanna, on that. We're not going to the play. I mean, the playoffs are coming up. Let's see what they look like in the playoffs. The Patriots. People were right. People thought the Chargers were going to come into New England and bury the Patriots last One year. One person thought that. Uh, a lot of people were picking the Chargers to win. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, Brenton and his doll thought that. that a it. lot of people were picking the, the Chiefs to take care of. Little business. Phil thought that too. Look, the Patriots went. Look, the the Patriots got the run game going. They've shown an ability to run. That was the weird thing. Like. They just kept, they keep getting away from the run against Houston. I mean, their opening drive was a march down the field for a touchdown. How they score that touchdown? What's that? I mean, that but the so-called march in- included two penalties, I think, on third down pass interference. Well, but which, I mean, like, it was a pass interference call because they were going to be catches. Like, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, like if, a, if a guy's like, like groped by a defender and he can't make a catch, I mean, that's sort of a, it's not like they were like fluky penalties. By the way, we crush teams for playing crappy schedules, like the Bills, for example. Who has the Patriots beaten? They beat the Steelers in week one. 
And I that's, that's, Bills, the that's, that's why they, the bigger that's the bigger takeaway for me is that the Bills. No, the, the Chiefs. I mean, the, the Chiefs, Texans, and Ravens, who are the other three top seeds in the AFC. The Patriots have played them all, and they lost to them all, and they lost to them all in different ways. Like the Chiefs, you know, that would be my concern with the Chiefs. By the way, Sean, do you think that the Chiefs will catch the Patriots in the standings? I think they have a very, so if you look at the Chiefs chances, uh, it pretty much comes down to, obviously they have to win out, uh, and I think that they will. Um, they have the Broncos, Bears, and Chargers with only the Bears game on the road, and I would imagine, unless the Ryan Wilson conspiracy theory comes into play and Andy Reid lets Matt Nagy win the game, um, I would imagine they would go unbeaten the rest of the way. If you look at the Patriots schedule, it comes down to that Bills game. And if you trust the Bills to be able to go into Foxborough and do it. If it was in Buffalo, I could see it maybe happening. I don't know if I see it happening. I think it'll be a close game, though, because I don't know if this Patriots team, if they're not getting turnovers, and Josh Allen lately is playing well enough that he's avoiding turnovers for the most part. So, no, I don't I don't think they will because I don't think the Patriots have a loss on the schedule, but it's I think it's possible. And, Sean, to mention you said the Patriots, their schedule comes down that Bills game. The other two games on their schedule – are the Bengals and the Dolphins. So those are two absolute locks. And you know what about this game is that the Patriots' offense was so bad that it kind of overshadowed the Chiefs' offense wasn't great either. You look, Kansas City scored two touchdowns in this game. One of them came after an interception. One came after a blocked field goal. It's not like Kansas City put together any highly impressive scoring drives. Everything else ended in a field goal. And now that Patrick Mahomes has a banged up hand, I don't know that this team is a team that I could trust going into the playoffs if Patrick Mahomes is banged up at all because he's the, he's what makes that offense go. And if the Patriots weren't so bad, we would have been just spent the past 10 minutes talking about how the Chiefs offense just wasn't that impressive in this but game. But John, the difference is that the Patriots offense is ranked first in the league according to football outsiders. I mean, and they're at home. I think that knowing that I'm willing to give Chiefs a little bit of a break, right? Yeah, and I thought the – I think Romo talked about this on the broadcast. The The Patriots made a lot of really good halftime adjustments because if you look outside of Mahomes' deep touchdown to Hardman, outside of that drive, which was, to Breach's point, that was like the only drive where they actually drove down the field, and it involved like a couple third-down deep bombs by Mahomes. After that, everything the Chiefs were running were like crossing routes and short passes. And then if you look at what the Patriots did in the second half, is they were pretty much trying to force the Chiefs to beat them deep. And I just don't think the offensive line was able to hold up long enough. It part of Mahomes' like so-called struggles the last couple of weeks. It seems like he's not really comfortable. Like he doesn't trust his offensive line back there, and he's bailing on some clean pockets. And there was one play in particular that. They were trying to salt away the game. They had like a third and eight, and they tried to run a crossing pattern to Tyreek Hill like four yards over the middle, and it completed it. But if you look at the coverage, the Patriots, instead of just trying to track him across the field, were just waiting for him on the other side of the field. So it looked like the Patriots did a really good job to account for those short crossing patterns, realizing that, look, we can't keep up with these guys, but let's just wait for them to come into our zones, and let's not play as much man, and maybe that'll work, and it did work. It was amazing. Like, the first half, the the Chiefs, I mean, like, not like Patrick, Patrick Mahomes didn't play bad or anything, but like he was, he wasn't having to throw into tight windows. I mean, those guys were wide open, whether it was Darwin Thompson or Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or Spencer Ware, whoever it was. I mean, they were just wide open across the middle. Um, they were averaging, I think, 6.4 yards per play 
at one point when they were up by multiple scores or whatever it was, and then they finished with 4.9 yards per play. They outplayed the Patriots. They beat the Patriots, whatever. New England's going to have to do New England stuff and come up with Belichick magic in the playoffs if they want to win. But um, tough loss at home. So is anyone worried about the Patriots other than me? I, I mean, I think, Sean, I don't know what you – you kind of said, hey, it comes down to that Bills game, but you didn't answer whether or not you thought they were going to be caught in the standing by the Chiefs. And I do. I think the Patriots are going to fall to three, and then that's going to create – imagine Tom Brady losing to Duck Hodges in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs at home, at Foxborough, at Gillette Stadium, and Duck and the Steelers go in there and upset the Patriots, which doesn't seem impossible because a team like the Steelers have such a good defense that they could hold New England to 10 seven, or 17 points. So, I mean, the fact that we've seen the Patriots lose to the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Texans in the last few weeks makes me think that any of these top-tier teams, I mean, I think the Titans could beat them. I think the Bills could beat them. I think any of those teams could potentially beat the Patriots, which I never would have said last year or the year before because Belichick was such a better coach, and he still is, but he doesn't have – uh, any sort of talent advantage because the Patriots offense is so bad. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, by the way, if, if Ryan Tannehill and Mike Vrabel come into New England as like a less than seven point favorite in the playoffs and you pick them to beat Bill Belichick, you're going to have to do like a soliloquy on the pod explaining your idiot, like idiot behavior when the Patriots hang 50 burger on Vrabel and, and they win that game by 60. Deal. Yes. I will buy you 50 burgers. If the Patriots hang a 50 burger on the Titans, there's a 0% chance of that happening. The only problem is that you're going to have to do a brief sell and heat it up, heat them up in the microwave after yeah, yeah, yeah. they're sitting in your fridge. That's the only way to eat them. And you know where the Patriots are doing right now, guys? We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> well, look at Breach with this, with the sound clips. I mean, you could have definitely told me to, to get ready. <laughs> that was a Breach special. Cincinnati. Come on now. Well done. Um, they are actually on to Cincinnati. Yeah, we're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. Okay, is, is, do you feel like the talent you have here is good? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. <laughs> Real quick, to answer Breach's question, I think the Patriots still get the two seed, and I think they're going to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I, I, I agree with That's you. That's my take, yeah. Um, okay. By the way, the Patriots had won 21 straight home games, including the postseason, their last loss at home. Week four, the 2017 against the Panthers. They were 29-0 and at home when facing quarterbacks younger than 25 years old coming into today. Um, and this is the first time that the Patriots have lost at home with both Tom Brady and Julian Edelman to an AFC opponent. They are now 42-1 and in those games. The Chiefs, by the way. Congratulations, Chiefs, Kansas City. Turns out my Broncos prediction, not correct. The Chiefs did, in fact, clinch the AFC West on this day. Uh, the Broncos are the only, no, the Broncos and the Raiders are not eliminated. The Chargers are eliminated. We'll get to them in a minute. Instead, 49ers, 48, Saints, 46. One of the wildest games of the year. Maybe the best game of the year. The Saints, uh, the 49ers cover the one and a half. They're plus one and a half. The, uh, the over hit twice. Once by each team. Over was 45. Drew Brees, 49 fantasy points. Ay, ay, ay. Um, did Jimmy Garoppolo prove anything to you, Ryan Wilson? And do you believe that the, the 49ers have now secured the number one overall seed and likely, uh, division title? Yeah, Jimmy G proved a lot, and I think Kyle Shanahan proved a lot. Um, the defense didn't prove a whole bunch. They proved that it's tough to go into 
New Orleans and, and play with a really good offense. And credit to the Saints because my big question coming into this game was could this offense sort of find itself? Because I was had questions about Drew Brees coming back from the thumb injury. He hadn't been quite himself, and, and the offense had sort of sputtered. Well, he didn't sputter at all. Uh, the offense looked right on point. And uh, the 49ers had no issues going into New Orleans, ma- uh, matching touchdown for touchdown to the very bitter end for, for the Saints. And, and um, when the Saints scored that touchdown with um, less than two minutes to go, I don't remember the exact time when they scored 53 seconds they scored to make it 46 45 and jimmy g kyle shanahan um george kittle very calmly drove down the field and george kittle dragged people grabbing on his face mask halfway down the field to set up that game winning field goal great win huge win for the 49ers and i feel like these are the type of wins you look back on if you make a deep playoff run and say that was sort of the turning point because we all had questions about jimmy g he's played up and down and i was really impressed with, with what he did on Sunday and, and their biggest game of the season. And I feel like they are the best team in the NFC, especially now that the Seahawks have lost and um, they have resumed their right. I mean, there's no way this is the fifth number number five team in the, in the NFC. That was sort of bonkers. So I'm glad that worked out for them. Huge win. Very proud of Jimmy Garoppolo and his very handsome face. Heading into after October, we were looking at the 49ers schedule and being like, we're going to learn a lot about this team because they had a lot of good matchups with playoff teams. This is what they did. They lost to the Seahawks in overtime in a game they probably should have won if they make that field goal in overtime, or it could have been a tie. So they were right there with them. Uh, skip the Cardinals game. They beat the Packers by 29 points. They went to Baltimore, uh, lost on the last second field goal um, in, in terrible conditions, and then they went into New Orleans and beat them. Like this team has – I know they didn't go undefeated in that stretch, but this team to me has proven everything that they needed to prove. Garoppolo has proved everything he needed to prove. That's not saying he's a top-five quarterback or anything like that, but he is good enough to get to where the 49ers need him to go clearly. Uh, it's funny because a lot of people I felt like after the game were talking about like what an incredible signature drive at Garoppolo. Like I don't even think the last drive was that impressive. Like. It came down to a fourth and short, and he threw a quick out, and it was all George Kittle. Tacked on with a 15-yard penalty that got them into field goal range. But everything he did in this game, and his interception was even a tip pass, was was incredible. And I think he outplayed – this isn't the sight of Drew Brees, but he outplayed Drew Brees in the Superdome, which I don't think is anything we thought a month ago would have happened. Um, so all credit to him. This team in my mind – this team, these two teams in my mind are the two best teams, and I would love to see a rematch. Yeah, uh, ideally we get Saints 49ers and then, uh, 49ers Ravens or, or Saints Ravens or something like that. That would, that would be cool. I'd be fine with that. By the way, uh, of course Emmanuel Sanders acquired at the trade deadline through a touchdown pass. Jimmy Garoppolo was asked about it. I didn't actually get to see it. I, I was blocking. Yeah. <laughs> I threw a shoulder in there. So. <laughs> I'll see that film though. Uh, I, I was so happy. I turned around. He was laying on the ground. It was, uh, Great timing. It was awesome. He said blocking with air quotes because he wasn't blocking because we all know that quarterbacks are cowards who don't block, except for Ryan Tannehill. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Jimmy G, Emmanuel Sanders was asked about Jimmy G and said, I know a lot of people are still looking at him to see what kind of player he is, but I'm telling you he's a baller. When you've got somebody like Jimmy with the personality he has and the hard work he puts in and the clutch moments, he's not going to fold. Who would you take, Breach? Jimmy Garoppolo or Joe Flacco? Uh, that's a hard question. Are we talking about Joe Flacco from January 2013, that yeah. small window? Or are we talking about Jimmy Garoppolo literally at any other time at Taco Bell uh, pulling tiny little shreds of cheese out of his beard? Because I would take that Jimmy 
and Jimmy at any point over Joe Flacco. Um, this game, from the Saints' perspective, and Ryan and, and Sean were both mentioning how many questions they had about the 49ers. And Ryan mentioned, hey, the Saints, can, can they get their offense together? This is the game I needed to see from Drew Brees. He has been up and down all year, and it was like, can he play a good defense this year? Can he, can he put up big numbers? Can he carry the 40, or carry the Saints when they need him to? He's 40 years old. It looks like he's been struggling a little bit this season. And if the 49ers are going to put up a lot of points, are the Saints going to be able to hang with it? Cause I thought the 49ers put so much pressure on it that Drew Brees would be like, look, I'm 40 years old. I don't want to take these hits. I give up. Just, I'm going to, Tom Brady does it sometimes. He just falls to the ground and kind of takes that sack just so he doesn't take a hard hit. Drew Brees didn't do that. He threw five touchdown passes, threw for 349 yards, and he literally had a win. I really thought the reason the Saints lost this game is because they made an absolutely terrible call on fourth and 18 when they tried to run a fake punt, which made no sense. I understand that you want to surprise the other team, and I rarely would ever question a Sean Payton call because he's a brilliant coach, but a fake punt on 4th and 18 is literally the stupidest thing you can do, especially when you throw it up in the air uh, on a play where the gunner is allowed to interfere with you. I know a lot of people on Twitter and people watching at home probably wondering why there was no interference when the 49ers guy pretty much accosted the Saints uh, receiver. But you cannot be called for interference on a punt play if the team winds up in punt formation. So this was – your guy has no chance at catching the ball. You're, you're, the whole thing of a fake punt is to catch someone – off guard, so maybe. Hey John, can I ask you quickly though? Do you think Sean Payton knew that rule? Because he seemed like he didn't know that rule when he was whinging to the refs about it. I mean, for someone who challenges every interference call and should know that, and he's on the competition committee, you feel like he would. But I'm not sure what he was talking to the refs about. I know they touched on it a little. I don't know that he knew the rule though. And if he didn't, then I'm surprised he called this play without knowing the rule. Some somebody in his. uh Headset didn't say, hey, Sean, maybe this is a bad idea because they can tear our receiver down because it, interference is legal. So anyway, they ran fourth and 18 from the 49ers 45-yard line. Uh, so San Francisco took over, good field position. At the time, the score was 35-33. 49ers scored on that next possession, went up 42-33. to and, and that was really a huge kind of momentum swing in the game at the 49ers. If they just punt the ball there and the 49ers take over at their own five or 10 yard line, who knows how this game plays out. But I just thought that was a horrible call that made a huge difference in the game. 12 combined touchdowns, 94 points, second most combined points in the game this year. Second game this season was both teams scored 40 points. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the highest scoring NFL game decided by two points or fewer since 1983 and the second most combined yards in a game this season. Uh, quarterbacks, when they go five touchdown passes and zero interceptions in the game, including playoffs, 98, six and one coming into today. And the Saints, uh, the Saints made it 98, seven and one with that loss. Obviously tough there. Um, worth noting here too, from the playoff picture perspective. The Saints fell to the third spot here. Now, they're guaranteed no worse than the third spot, but they have a worse conference record than the Packers, who jumped to number two. And Did the Packers feel like the number two team in the conference? No, absolutely not. Um, but the Saints are four games up on Dallas, who's six and seven, so they can't be caught for that four, that third seed. So your, your one through three seeds are going to be, obviously, you know, we could have Seattle could catch San Francisco, maybe. Doesn't look great for them. Um the Saints would have been over 20% to win the Super Bowl according to sports science simulations, uh, and, 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 and data when it, when they were about to win 
and San Francisco would have fallen to 10%, but with San Francisco's win, they move up to 15%. Saints still at 17% because they had the division locked up and the 49ers might not get a buy, et cetera, et cetera. San Francisco went from a 44% chance to win the division to 58, and that was going into Sunday night. Uh, then the 49ers dropped to 70%. We'll get to that game in just a second. Uh, and uh, the Seahawks dropped down to 4%. So pretty good chance that the 49ers win this division. What was the, uh, I mean, was the, was the, was the Manny Sanders pass the craziest play that we saw in this game, Frank? Uh, there's a lot of crazy plays. I mean, John mentioned the, 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 the fake punt, which sort of was curious to say the least. Um, but yeah, Manny Sanders was balling out. Debo Samuels was balling out. I mean, he might be the front runner. I'm trying to think for offensive rookie of the year for not counting quarterbacks. I'm trying to think. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. He didn't play today, but yeah, that's obviously one too. But I think you expected Josh Jacobs to contribute just because he's a running back. But Debo Samuel, you never know with, with wide receivers when they come in and he's, I think he had a slow start to the season. He dropped a few passes, if I recall correctly. And he, he's been going off. He's been, I don't know if he's been Jimmy G's number one guy, but he's 1A after Manny Sanders. So um, that's been fun to watch. But, yeah, that touchdown by Manny Sanders. Let's see, he had a touchdown pass. Um, I had a stat here. I can't find it. It was a fun fact. Um, that seems so fun now. Yeah, right? So let me look for that, and you, you say something. The other, I, the other thing that, like, that really blew up um, in terms of uh, you know, viral talk and whatnot, the uh, George Kittle smash factor at the end when he like refused to get out of bounds just like fighting through like his pelvis is i think it was Lattimore or was it was it pj williams or was it Lattimore? who's marcus i think it was williams grab or marcus williams excuse me he's grabbing his um grabbing his helmet and like pulling like pulling on his face mask he's still ripping through it and kittle said after run through people but have a good time doing it that's his motto on yak i like it that's my motto for life breach run through that, people, but have that is you should get it tattooed on your forehead and then that would be fun. And the podcast would be more fun. One thing that shouldn't be overlooked is the Saints lost Jared Cook in the first quarter. He only played one quarter. After he caught two touchdown passes. He caught two passes for 64 yards. As the person just said, they were both touchdowns. He's been a huge part of their offense. And for them, he's been – because the Saints don't really have another target outside of Michael Thomas that they can really rely on. And so – when Jared Cook started to become a factor, that's when Drew Brees started to look better over the past few weeks, and the Saints started to look better overall. And so to lose him, uh, you know, hopefully that's not going to be an injury that keeps him out multiple weeks because the Saints' offense is much, much better when he's in there. Saints might have put up 70 points if Cook would have been stayed hey, healthy. By the way, fun fact, Emmanuel Sanders became uh, just the third player in NFL history, non-quarterback, of course to record a passing and receiving touchdown in multiple games since 1970, joining Walter Payton. Odell Beckham. Is he one? Fourth player, yes. Excuse me. Walter Payton, <laughs> Danny Thompson, and Odell Beckham. I, was only, I only knew Odell. I didn't know the other two. I have a funner fact, and I found it. <laughs> tried to steal my thunder. Not yep. happening. Yep. Manny Sanders <laughs> is the first player with 100-plus receiving yards, one receiving TD, and one pass TD since week 7, 2018. You know who did it then? Last year, man, <laughs> okay. The twist that was not looking yeah. fun for a while. Look at this. This is called a double dunk on Sean Brenton <laughs> for laugh. Uh, Breeze Drew Breeze became the fourth player in Super Bowl era with five passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in a single game, along with Mark Malone, 85, Aaron Rodgers, 2019, week seven, and Mark Rippon. And uh, he was also he now has 11 career games 
with at least five touchdown passes, the most in NFL history. By the right, way, any coach that refuses to run a quarterback sneak should be fired on the spot. That touchdown uh, jump over the top of the pile by Drew Brees, he's done that plenty of times before. He does it better than anyone else. He's also four foot ten, so you can do it with a quarterback who's more athletic and younger than Drew Brees. Tom Brady always goes for it in fourth and one, always converts it. That shouldn't be an excuse to turn around and hand the ball off to a guy that's five yards behind you to see him get tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And one other weird decision Sean Payton made was going for two after their second touchdown. Like, either be progressive or don't. Go for two all the time or kick the extra point. There was literally no reason to go for two. He just pulled it out of his butt and decided to go for two on the second touchdown, and they didn't get it. So, again, it was 13-7. to So just two completely baffling special teams decisions really, really hurt the Saints. I still don't know why. And obviously that extra point, again, would have changed the complexion of the game. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those two bonehead decisions cost the Saints. Rams 28, Seahawks 12. The Rams cover. They were minus one. The under 47 and a half hits. Jared Goff, your top fantasy performer, just 19 points. A very slow moving game. Very disappointing game for the Seahawks. Um, the Rams, as I think we, I called in the podcast. I had the Seahawks on the pickups page, but I took the Rams on my picks league. So I don't know what happened there. That may have been a miscommunication. I'll be looking into that and filing a formal complaint with our bosses. Um, the Rams looked awesome on offense, Sean. Again, Jared Goff was dealing, except for that one pick six and the other pick he had. Uh, but mostly he was like slinging it around. Like they had great tempo. They were blocking well. Todd Gurley absolutely destroyed Trey Flowers' life going in for a touchdown run. They were busting out a bunch of trick plays. Wide receivers were running. It felt like they were like using motion more than they had really all season to, to generate issues for the Seahawks defense. And it's like, you know, where has that been all year long, or is this just uh, the Rams played another questionable defense and they can't play well against good defenses? Yeah, this was utter domination on both sides of the ball. I mean, the yeah. Seahawks didn't score an offensive touchdown this game. It came on that pick six that you mentioned. And with 11 minutes left, the Rams were up 19. Uh, the Rams had 15 more first downs than the Seahawks and 245 more yards. So that was before garbage time. So this was a complete utter domination. Uh, it started with the Rams' offense. And uh, to your point this looked like vintage last year Rams offense you had Goff throwing off play action outside the pocket on crossing patterns to Robert Woods shout out to Robert Woods winning my fantasy matchup uh oh, it makes, you beat our uh, you beat our did you beat our boss uh Kevin Steinle I did he was very pessimistic early in the day maybe if he had a little bit more belief in his team they would have persevered unfortunately no uh Hashtag, you hate to see it so the Rams offense comes out in the first half and they look like last year's offense and they kind of in the second half slowed down a little bit, but that was okay because the thing that was also so impressive by them is their defense completely shut down the guy going for MVP and Russell Wilson, who had a really good chance in prime time to at least th- keep his name next to Lamar Jackson as Lamar kind of runs away with it. And this Seahawks could not score. Um, the Seahawks were doing their normal dumb thing where they're down multiple scores and still handing the ball off to Chris Carson um, up the middle. Um, and so this is the Rams team we've been looking to see all season. But to your point, Brinson, 
the Seahawks, it's weird because the Seahawks are a good team, so you want to give the Rams credit for beating up on a good team. But the Ra- the Seahawks, I don't know from top to bottom talent wise, are more that much more talented than the Rams. Uh, I would say they have a, just a much better quarterback, and that quarterback has led to them winning a lot of close games this year. So you would want to see the Rams do this against. I believe they have the 49ers still on their schedule, and the only problem for the Rams is that they're eight and five. But there's going to be one bad, one good team in the NFC that misses out in the playoffs just because there are seven really good teams. And it's looking like it's going to be them unless the Vikings or Packers slip down the stretch. Um, and again, the Rams still have to play the 49ers. And I believe that game is in Santa Clara. So I don't know if they're playoff good. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely encouraging, especially for the long-term future if you're hoping that you got to resurrect Jared Goff because you're paying him all that money for the next few years. I don't know how good it is for the long-term future. I mean, these are two big wins back-to-back. Yeah, they beat the Cardinals last week. It still counts. Yeah, they beat the Seahawks, who were sort of decimated this week. Rashad Penny, his season may be over, it sounds like, according to Pete Carroll, with a knee injury. Um, typically, that wouldn't be a big deal for an NFL team in 2019, but since Brian Schottenheimer only runs the ball, that's a sort of a sort of a problem. But the Rams still have issues with the offensive line. They still have no draft picks. We still don't know how good Jared Goff really is. He's had two good games, and that's great. Um they could make the playoffs, but as you point out, Sean, the Vikings have to sort of um, – Vikings have to lose two or three probably. They at the Chargers, then they're Green Bay and Chicago to end it. And then the, the Rams are at Dallas. I don't think any of us think that they're going to be uh, – they're going to lose to the Cowboys, which is an indictment on Jason Garrett, at San Francisco and then Arizona. So it could be close, but I think this team has done too much damage to itself over the course of the season that their playoff hopes may be shot. My bigger concern is with the Seahawks who look to be going to the playoffs unless – I don't know what would have to go wrong for them not to make the playoffs at this point. Um, they have one player, Russell Wilson. <laughs> the defense hasn't been great. Um, everyone on that team was dropping passes today. Russell Wilson should have just thrown the ball to himself. And there's no quick fix for this because at the end of the day, the coaching is, all right, let's run the ball and always punt the ball and fourth down. So you're not going to win games where other teams are sort of doing the – things that maximize their chances of success when you do the exact opposite and you have one player. So they needed to win. They didn't. The Rams won, so it's encouraging, but I don't know how encouraging. And now that's all that's really left is for the Rams to try to figure out a way to go to the playoffs. But by yeah. the way, the um, sounds like Rashad Penny, uh, He Pete Carroll described it as a uh, an ACL sprain, which, okay, uh, I don't want to act like I'm a doctor, an ACL expert, and we certainly – too bad we don't have an ACL expert here. Otherwise, we could get some information on this. But I'm pretty sure you don't sprain your ACL. I think you just it's like like you don't like it's like a mild sprain of the ACL, right? Right? You're wrong. But uh, yeah, so a sprain all it means is a tear. So it means how severe is the tear? So mild sprain or one, so two, three, would you say three. that he tore his ACL then? Well, it depends. Like sometimes you can you don't like Ryan Tannehill had a partial tear of his ACL. The Dolphins didn't do a surgery on it, which they probably should have. And he ended yeah, up remember he it. re-tore it. He didn't re-tear it. He tore it completely. So you yeah. Can have- so let me let me let me let me rephrase this. Go ahead, doctor. Can you, if you sprain your ACL, did you tear it? Yes or no? No, not necessarily. No, Depends on the grade. You, you did because it's a partial tear. Okay. Well, anyway, the doctor. The point is, you don't always have surgery. Um, someone else just sprained their ACL, and I actually looked it up because I was confused because. The ACL typically doesn't heal if you tear it all the way. It won't heal if you tear it all the way, unlike your um, other things in your body, like your hamstring, for example. You can rip your hamstring, and it'll heal itself. But um, you can partially tear it and give it rest, and sometimes it will heal itself depending on the severity of the tear. 
But um, it sounds like either way, Rashad Penny ain't playing the rest of the year. Yeah, he's probably out for the rest of the year. Uh, Chris Carson, Joe Fan, ah, friend of the program, Joe Fan, um, said that Chris Carson mentioned he's going to be working out Rashad Penny this offseason. They're going to get his knee right. So, yeah, he is probably out. So one less player for the, the Seahawks. I would just point out like that the Rams – I mean, I know they lost to Tampa Bay at home and that 40-55, that crazy game. That's a, that's a bad loss. They were down big. They were getting blown out in that game. But like, they lost at Seattle. They lost at home to San Francisco. Uh, they lost at Pittsburgh. To Duck Hodges. Yeah. It wasn't, that's not a good loss. Or, or was it Mason Rudolph? Was it Mason Rudolph? Yeah, I think man, man, that's, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> that's a bad <laughs> loss. The Mason, the Mason loss about. is a bad Mason loss. The, the, Pittsburgh's a playoff team. It's a bad loss. I think Pittsburgh needs one. We can talk about it later. They need to win. Fine. One they lost to the Ravens. So they maybe they have two losses that you could call bad. Pittsburgh, a playoff what, team. What Tampa. was the score of that Ravens game? Remind me. I mean, they got blown out by the Ravens. We still well, just lost to Baltimore. Since we're bringing out margin of victory, I do want to point out, and I hate doing this now because Ryan's called me Mr. Point Differential and Breach has too. The, the Rams have a substantially better point differential than the Seahawks. They're plus 49 compared to the Seahawks plus 20. You know who's – Right below the Seahawks, the Steelers at 17, who uh, some people are calling a bad team. And the Chargers have a better point differential than the Seahawks. So that's why I was saying it's like you want to give the Rams credit for beating a good team. But it's not like the Seahawks from top to bottom, I think, are a great team. They just happen to have a great quarterback. Sean, you know who's a better point differential the Seahawks and the Rams? The Cowboys. Maybe they're better than everyone. Oh, that hurts. They should be. As we say repeatedly, this is a 93 team with a 3-9 and coaching staff. If – if the Rams went out and the Rams you, are at Dallas, at San Francisco, and at home against Arizona, and you could say, well, they won't win out. That's all going to happen. But it could happen. I mean, they could beat I, – I think they'll be favored. They should be favored. We agree they're going to beat the Cowboys. We agree they'll beat the Cardinals. They need to, If they can find a way to beat the 49ers, are they getting in at 11-5? Well, it's up to the Seahawks because we just talked about the three games they have left. But here's the concern with the Rams. They played well the last two weeks. And, yes, they they played a tough schedule relatively. Their offensive line still sucks. We don't know about Jared Goff. Their defense ain't lights out. Jalen Ramsey has not been a, a successful trade in terms of giving up two first-round picks. So they have a lot of questions. Their defense is good. Yeah. If they help the Seahawks to no – The Seahawks time. have one player. The Seahawks are – But they've been able to score points with that one player. They have a but, great You know, it's just like having a great defense. They have an elite quarterback, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. I mean, like, they have a good de- – they have a good offense. Chris Carson, what are you talking about? They do not listen. The number two guy you just listed is DK Metcalf, who you were yelling at on Twitter for not being as muscly as he should have been. I was when making. He, I was making. Freak, the, Ram, um, the Rams. The Rams defense is good. I, like I don't. It's not 49ers Patriots level, but they're fifth in DVOA. They are the fourth best offense by DVOA. What are you talking about? And the Rams are the fifth best defense by DVOA. Yeah, what are you, you are. You have lost it, old man. Okay, well, you can hop on this, you're, you're this train. Children, I, I don't think they're making the playoffs, but we've been saying for like a month, one good team in the NFC is not going to make the playoffs, and it's probably going to be the Rams. Could it be the Packers? No, because they can. the, the Rams can only get to 11 games. The Packers only have to go 2-1 and one over their final three, and they're going to go 2-1 and one no matter how bad we think they are. And the thing about the Seahawks-Rams game is that the, this was like a do-or-die so you game. You think the Packers are definitely going 2-1? and one? I think the Packers oh, and their will final win. three, and their final three. I think they probably will, but I think there's a chance they could go one and two. Oh, well, you know, yeah, let's, of let's, course let's, there's let's, a chance. Let's, Nobody's let's like, take a break. let's take a break and we'll get to the we'll get to the Packers game. Do you want to need? Do you want to add anything to the Seahawks game? Yes, you know? I want to add that the Seahawks 
Uh, all they have to do is win out, and they still win the division. So I just felt like this game meant a lot more to the Rams. It was do or die. Their backs are against the wall. They know any loss from here on out. They're not making the playoffs. For the Seahawks, it's like, well, this is the one game we can kind of blow off because if we win out, we – we win the division because then they'll end up in a tie at 13 and three with the 49ers and they'll have the division tiebreaker. Uh, so this, in the grand scheme of things, this loss means nothing to Seahawks as long as they went out. Uh, okay. That's, that's weird. Um, that's true. I mean, if they went out, they, they win the division and they get I the think first it, round by. It, it means something because they still had a chance for home field advantage because with the Saints losing and the Seahawks can't, the Seahawks lost to the Saints so they can't win the head to head tiebreaker. So if the Seahawks had won, on Sunday night, they would have been looking a lot better for the top seed. Basically, Breach, what Sean is saying, that the Seahawks should have gone 16-0, and 0, and this wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs> I'm saying the game mattered. Yeah. Sorry, Sean. I, 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 my I, argument I, is that the game mattered today. No, my argument is that it mattered a lot more to the Rams. I that's, agree with you and that's, that. And that's I, what it looked like, and that's how both teams played. Or the Seahawks are a luck box, and they ran into a good team with a Whoa. good defense. Making me agree with Brinson. I don't like this. Brinson's done a complete 180 on the Rams all of a sudden, but um, that's okay. I think He's the, the new Chargers. He's going with whatever LA teams in flavor. <laughs> I, I just think if the Rams are playing a non, if you look at their losses outside of the Bucks, they're all to elite defenses, and the Bucks are the best run defense in football. What? Are you not aware that the Buccaneers are the best run defense in football? No, I'm not. Are you telling the truth? Oh, you're right. It's been it's been a fact for like seven weeks, man. Princeton, do you think do you think the Rams are going to make the playoffs, Princeton? I think there's a lot of football left to be played. Oh, what a cop out! You yeah, have to get Botox. Answer. One of us has to get Botox if the Rams make the playoffs. Botox? Yeah, that's what the people My do. Now asked, I know what it is. My wife asked me if I. She's like, are you gonna get Botox? I was like, what are you talking about? Why would I get Botox? I've been watching YouTube videos. You probably I like that's a that's a rude question to ask someone. Yeah. So there was a discussion at like a dinner, like people were talking about Botox and. But it makes sense because you already get hair implants, so that would be the next step. Nice. By the way, here's the conversation Brinson just ha- had. Botox? Wait, I know what Botox is. Right, <laughs> get it. <laughs> Anything else? Make like two minutes ago. Yeah, let's go to break. When we come back, we will talk more about the NFC playoffs. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. 
Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Oh, it never fails. <laughs> sure is, sure is, sure is rain, right? Right as rain. Uh, we, he's like, all right, let's get in and out of these games early. Let's get to breaks. <laughs> and, uh, we, uh, we have 11 games left after talking for 30, 45 minutes. Let's dive into the Packers and Vikings and sort of look. I don't think we need to break down these games in a great Let's do it like Sean does speed dating. So we can like do musical chairs. We'll just ask yeah. each other three well, questions. I, I just think that the, the Packers and the Vikings games are probably better framed as a discussion about the, the continued discussion about the NFC playoffs. The Packers won uh, 20 to 15 over the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins covered the plus 13. Obviously, the under hit pretty easily. Aaron Jones, 24 fantasy points. Terry McLaurin had a great game. Uh, Darius Geis was injured. If you look at Aaron Rodgers, I know we got in an argument about this on our YouTube special. Oh, no, 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 at halftime. Oh, the halftime show. That's what it was. Um, I did it with Pete and Jamie. I said, Kirk Cousins has been player playing better than Aaron Rodgers lately. And Pete Prisco is like, well, that's ridiculous. He's never been better at any point in time. I was like, Pete, I'm not saying he's a better player or a better quarterback or whatever. I'm just telling you, he's been playing better than Aaron Rodgers has lately. Aaron Rodgers, 18 of 28, 195 yards, one touchdown. He still has some great throws, but he's not this, this, this offense just isn't there for the Packers. They get up, uh, 76 rushing yards and a touchdown to Adrian Peterson on 20 carries. Dwayne Haskins, who stayed in that game for a long time. Uh, was 16 to 27 for 170 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, also had, uh, four catches for Terry McLaurin, 57 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Aaron Jones, leading receiver for the Packers, six catches, 58 yards. What's your level? Can, and then uh, on the Viking side of things, um, Vikings won 20 to seven. They were up 20 to nothing at, uh, at halftime and then even in the fourth quarter. And then David Blau! Uh, hit Kenny Galladay for a 10-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter. It actually unfolded exactly as I predicted on the halftime show. I said that Mike Zimmer is going to go into a shell, run the ball 100 times in the second half, not worry about scoring, um, and then the, the Lions are going to find a way to storm through the back door the, like the last second. And that's what happened. I, I would say that the Lions win, I mean, the, the Vikings win, Sean, was substantially more convincing over a bad football team than what we saw from the Packers. If we're, if we're judging these teams on how they handle bad football teams at home, um, and I, I, I don't know, like I think the Packers are at least, you gotta look at that schedule and say, could the Packers miss the playoffs as a 10 win or 11 win team? Sure, why not? Look, I've been saying it since the opening month of the season when the discussion was, oh, this Packers team has managed to race out to this great record without the offense clicking. What happens when the offense clicks, right? They're going to be this unstoppable team. And my question was, what if they just never click? What if this is just the new norm with Aaron Rodgers? And it sounds like, Brinson, you have you now agree with me on this, at least for this year. Uh, this offense is unimpressive. It's not Patriots levels unimpressive, but they seem to do the same thing every This is week. what you fired Mike McCarthy for? Like, really? I mean, I don't see a noticeable difference. I, re- I really don't. And that's not to say Rodgers... When I criticize Rodgers, it's not Rodgers is bad now. It's just that he went from being one of the three best quarterbacks in football to now he's in that 6-10 to 10 range with Kirk Cousins, who right now Kirk Cousins is playing better than Aaron Rodgers. And the difference between both of these games is that the scores are like not that dissimilar. But to your point, I was watching a lot of the Vikings-Lions game. This was one of the most boring games I think I've seen all, all season long. Well, I'd fancy interested. You know, I'm a hopeless Bears fan that was clinging to hope the Vikings might lose a game. Uh the Vikings got up in this game and just really, to your, what you were saying, had no incentive to try anything. Whereas the Packers 
really struggled, I thought, to put this game away against the Redskins. They were letting the Redskins hang around to the point where I was getting interested like there could be a potential upset. And the Redskins are very clearly one of the worst teams in football. This is an ongoing issue with the Packers where they come out and they score points right away. And for whatever reason, they just can't keep scoring points and kind of put down their put the foot down the throat and kind of put a team away. They just don't have that in them. And you look at their record, what, and they're what, the two seed now? The Packers are the two seed. And like, what, what happened was because the Saints lost and the Packers have a better conference record than the Saints, the 49ers had the best record overall, so they're one. Um, the Packers jumped up to the two seed because the Seahawks fell down to the five seed and the Saints fell down to the three seed with the loss. It's pretty And the Cowboys still suck. And so, and you, so you do look at the Packers remaining schedule and we were just touching on this. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. That said, Bears, Vikings, and at Lions with now with Stafford out, like that's probably a win. I don't think Bears, Vikings is our automatic win, especially if they have to go to Minnesota. I think they're going to lose that game and hosting the Bears. It's not like the last year or two they've been beating up on the Bears. These have all been, for the most part, really close, low-scoring type of games. And what we saw at late in the year last year when Mitch Trubisky was actually playing well, the Bears had to actually beat them pretty handedly. So I think if you get good Mitch Trubisky, I think the Bears actually have a chance to win that so game. So, Sean, I- um, one and two for the Packers and went out for the Vikings and the Rams, and that's a wrap for the Packers. They would miss the playoffs? <laughs> But you said the Rams have to go undefeated, though. Yeah, but that means the Rams have to beat the 49ers. Yeah. And then the 49ers aren't getting the one seed. I mean, you're throwing it. I think the Rams schedule, because it has the 49ers, is less likely to have. Like, the Packers might very yeah. well go one and two, but I do not think the Rams are going three and oh. Uh, well, that's why you're not on the train with Brinson, Breach. I would never go on the same train as Brinson. I wouldn't want you on the same train. I would be like. Hey, I'm not sitting in this coach class with Breach. I sit in first class. I would take a hot air balloon to get where I'm going to avoid taking a train with With Brenton. Antonio Brown. With Antonio Brown. That's a lot. That, the great irony is that John was on a train in a movie. That, that is a great irony. What? Fun what? fact. Everybody knows that. What movie? Fast and Furious 7. I get my family Fast Five DVDs every year because I was an extra in the movie, guys. Maybe that could be a prize. I have a copy right here. I could give it out as a Christmas prize. Surprise. <laughs> Are you a actually listener, in the movie? For a listener who gives uh, a good question, we'll give it out as a prize for Christmas. Uh, yeah, or, that would be a good question. If you could be in any movie, what movie would you be in? Fast Five. I would be in Fast, whatever that movie is with John, and then I would murder him on the movie. So I'd be, I'd, <laughs> I'd be, in, I'd be, in, I'd be in Fast Four. So I'd be like, sorry, Breach, you're the sequel. Well, the best part is it's the, it's the one series where they keep making movies, so somehow it stays relevant. Every time a new one comes out, I'm like, I was in the fifth one, guys. Now there's like twelve. Uh, I would probably be in, like, Fletch. I could see you being in Fletch. I feel like uh, Sean would be in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> what a classic. That, that is a classic. Very, I would very clearly be in a certain movie called Rogue One. <laughs> Ryan yeah. would, Ryan oh, would my be God. Sean would definitely top. be like. What would that be in, John? Sean, Sean over the top. Like, the, the arm wrestling movie? <laughs> Sean would cast himself as like Kylo Ren's like, like love intro. Or is, it, is Kylo Ren a girl or a boy? I don't even know. It's a boy. It's Adam. <laughs> Those are, but Kylo Ren's not even in Rogue One. So you're, you're in different territory. Sean would be a stormtrooper that's killed within the first three seconds of the movie. Ooh, <laughs> I would love to be a stormtrooper. You would? <laughs> they sometimes, well, they sometimes actually get actual famous people to do that. Like Daniel Craig was in, I think, what Last Star Wars. And they, they cast like one of the princes, uh, 
and they had to cut them because they were too tall for stormtroopers. You hear that sound, Sean? That's the sound of Debo stabbing himself in the face because he's going to be stuck at work at two in the morning. You were the one that brought up fast food in movies. Uh, sorry, Debo. But uh, you, all right, I'll, give, so, I'll give you a copy of Fast Five to make up for this. So let's assume that the 49ers, Saints, Cowboys are in because we know the Saints are clinched and we know that somebody has the NFC East has to win. You get to fill it out with, you get to fill out the rest of the NFC with three teams. Are you going Vikings, Packers, Seahawks? Or are you going in a different direction? Anybody going in a different direction? I'm going to make it. Yeah, I don't think the Rams are making it. I would either. say Bears, Rams, oh, goodness. Eagles. Uh, Bears, Rams, Buccaneers. Um, I think the, yeah, I think the Bucks are eliminated. I was, I was being sarcastic. And uh, real quick, I don't think the Saints are going to win out. I don't think they're going to go three and over the last three weeks. And I think the winner of the NFC West, whoever wins that Week 17 game between the 49ers and Seahawks, is going to get the number one overall seed. The Saints close out with the Colts, Titans, and Panthers. I think they're going to lose one of those games. I'm not sure to who, but it's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you what, and uh, we can talk about this in a second, but the Titans have a tough road to hope. But if, I mean, why don't we dive right in on the Titans? We got four go. games we got to talk about. So let's, uh, let's just move on to the Titans. The Titans, uh, whammied, whammied. The, uh, the, the Oakland Raiders on, uh, on Sunday afternoon. Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee's just flat out rolling right now. 42-21. MVP. MVP. Ryan Tannehill, 21 of 27 for 391 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, he also had, uh, Derrick Henry, 18 carries, 103 yards, two touchdowns. And my man, AJ Brown started him in a fantasy playoff game. Five catches, 153 yards, and two touchdowns, including a 91-yard score. He's an enormous human being. I love him like I love members of my family. I don't know why. I just do. Um, by the way, good job of the Patriots for not drafting A.J. Brown or Debo Samuel and taking Enkil Harry instead. That was, that was smart of you. That was, that um, was weird. They yeah. once drafted Tony Michelle over Nick Chubb, so, yeah, so yeah. not that surprising. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr, 25-34, 263 yards, two touchdowns. So now it's 115 passer rating, and uh, let's let's see, let's do the math. Like I watched Eric Carr play, I know he wasn't very good, and yet I'm going to divide 7.7 yards per attempt every time. He does this every time. It's unbelievable. He Imagine what it would have been if he didn't chuck that fourth down ball out of the end zone and actually oh, do it to someone. People were hot and bothered about that. What was that about? Did he talk about it after the game? You got that? Uh, uh, that's, what, that's what got me blocked by David Carr. I'm not going to get into my, my, it. No, my favorite part, I don't know what he said after the game, but like as he's scrambling out to his right, he's like trying to motion receivers over that side, and he ends up throwing it away, and he keeps on like motioning, like yelling at his guys to get over. It's like, yeah, dude, they weren't over there. Maybe throw it to where they are instead of throwing it into the stands. Like The fact that he was blaming it on other people. He also had a touchdown pass to somebody. <laughs> Good start. That's a no, 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 no. But like, on, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who it is. Was it Rico Gafford? Um, no, it was Fabian Moreau. He did throw a forty-nine-yard touchdown pass. I'm sure he caught it at the line of scrimmage. Foster, Foster Moreau. It was Foster. <laughs> yeah. Did I say Fabian Moreau? <laughs> He's a quarterback back in the day. Oh yeah. So anyway, he throws a touchdown pass to, uh, to Foster Moreau, and like he's like Foster Moreau pops open on like play action, and he is sitting there wide open. And like Derek Carr, like pats, pats. He's like, hold on, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and then like he throws it to him. It's like just 
throw the ball when you get out of your break. It was very, it was very weird. Do you think by that the way, they, they've been practicing before and Foss Monroe just kept running like he ran to, like ran to the parking lot? He had to go get him at the grocery store. No, no, you stop inside the boundaries. The announcers like, called, the announcers were like, why didn't he? Cause it was, uh, it was Jay Feely and, uh, it was Trent Green, right? I don't know. You know the announcers better than anyone on the planet. I think it was Trent, yeah, it was, yeah, it was Trent Green and then Jay Feely's on the sidelines. And he's like, I don't know why he just didn't throw it. Like, what, why is he throwing the football? Anyway, the, the Raiders are now, uh, six and seven. Look, we're not here to bury the Raiders, but I will say that that ill-fated uh, Raiders under six and a half wind bet that I made the day Antonio Brown was cut um, is now suddenly got a little life. By the way, you forgot to mention the the biggest play of the game, the turnover. It looked like it was going to be a big man picks uh, touchdown return. Oh yeah, Ryan Tannehill tracked him down. And absolutely, and like I should have captioned that tweet I've sent out. You know, a bunch of retweets, no big deal. Uh, I should have captioned it better. But it's like, uh, it should have been like, wait for it, wait for it. Cause like Tannehill gets blocked by one of the Raiders players. He threw, it's like the ball's hit, it pops up in the air. Raiders, big Raiders defensive lineman picks it. He's going the other way and he's running. He's like, and he thinks he's going to score. Like he's got 30 yards of space in front of him and he is running. He's got blockers. He's got like a whole horde of people and like Tannehill's chasing after him. He gets blocked to the side and he like veers out. It was like a, like a car that gets like sideswiped in a race. He goes, and like veers out to the left. And then all of a sudden you see him come flying back in. He sprints out ahead of everybody and he absolutely truck sticks this guy. It was awesome. Um, and I, I, I mean, is, is Ryan Tannehill a top five MVP candidate? He's a top yeah. five defensive player. He had Tyree kill speed <laughs> with Nick Bosa hitting power on that rundown. That was an insane play. And I'm if we were only receiver, Texas A&M. Um, but I'll give you real quick. So Tannehill took over the starting job in week seven. Since then, the Titans are six and one. They are averaging 31.4 points per game, which is the second highest in the NFL behind only the Ravens since week seven. And they have 27 offensive touchdowns since week seven, which is also the second highest in the NFL. So basically this Titans offense is somehow turned into the greatest show on turf with Ryan Tannehill. So I would love to put him in the, I don't know if it puts him in the MVP conversation, probably not because it's too late in the season, but it does take, it does move Adam Gase down seven notches. <laughs> he went from like seventh worst coach ever to now maybe first or second. Every What's time the, Tannehill throws a touchdown, so I think. What's impressive what Tannehill's doing is this isn't like, you look at all, like Derek Carr, for example, quarterback, where it's like when they're having success, you look at those throws they're making, you're just like, oh, like any schmuck. Any competent quarterback would be doing this and letting his guys get yak. He's throwing the ball downfield and like, he's like heat checking. Like he's like has so much confidence right now. Like one of his touchdown passes across the field off his back foot. Uh, it's a great play by his target. Um, but he's putting it up with confidence. He entered the week leading the league in yards per attempt at 9.1. He attempted 27 passes on Sunday and he averaged 14 and a half yards per attempt. It is incredible. And I actually think. He is – I don't think anyone outside of Lamar and Russ can win MVP. So when I say he's in the MVP conversation, I don't mean he has a chance to win it. But when we go and rank our five candidates this week, you look – Deshaun had a stinker. Uh, Dak has had multiple – like a product might, of his team around him. I might Kane Hill too. I'm putting him in my top five, I think. If because I don't know what like, quarterback you're putting over If him. you're talking about pure value – like, they literally sucked as a team, and they replaced Marcus Mariota with Ryan Daniel, and now they're awesome. Well, yeah, and real quick. apologizing to every week, by the way, Brinson? Who? Arthur. Arthur Smith. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, you should write a personal note. Fired, all, baby. All to, but you know what? That's also on the coaching staff for letting Marcus Mariota play for so long and not getting a quarterback in there. Who but he wasn't under- a fifth-year option. I'm sure they were like, well, what, we're paying him $20 million. They had Tannehill in training camp. It's not like they traded for him in September. So they saw what he could do in the offseason. They had to know during camp that Tannehill was clearly a better quarterback, yet they still suck with Mariota. So that's kind of on the coaching staff. I think you could still blame them a little bit for that bad start because they kept him in. But to Sean's point with – uh the yards per completion. So we talk a lot about uh, Raiders defenders come say, well, Derek Carr has a huge yards per completion. Why are you ripping him? And the big difference is the fact that, as Sean said, Tannehill throws it downfield. His air yards, so this is his average, his average completed air yards this year so far is 7.2 yards per completion which is fourth in the NFL, and he's only behind people who wing it, like Matthew Stafford, Jameis Winston, and Dak Prescott. So it's a pretty incredible to see what he's done. It was the uh, Titans' third 40-point game of, a, of the year, their most in a season since 1962. Their 552 yards, total yards of offense, is the most total yards since they became the Titans back in 1997. They scored 21 unanswered points in the second half. Tannehill joins Russell Wilson and John Hadle as the only – three quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era to have a passer rating of 130 or higher in four straight games. Um, his first interception since week nine, and they're six and one with him under center. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, un- it's unbelievable. This is like, this story isn't getting a nearly enough attention. Well, what, what's funny is when they beat the Chiefs, we were talking about like, oh, they're playing spoiler. Like, we didn't realize that that might be a tiebreaker when it comes to seeding. And like, if the Chiefs slip up, the Titans could like, if they win the division, yeah. overtake the Chiefs. Like, we weren't thinking about that as a playoff tiebreaker. We we're thinking like, oh, how could the Chiefs blow this game? Well, one other team that should be worried about the Titans too, the Buffalo Bills. They played a football game against the Baltimore Ravens and they kept it close, but could not win. Ravens 24, Bills 17. Ravens covered the minus six, as promised on this podcast. The under 44 and a half hit. Lamar Jackson, 25 fantasy points, threw for two passing touchdowns. Uh, didn't have a great first half. Neither did Josh Allen. It was really windy out there. You could tell it was affecting both quarterbacks' accuracy. Um, and, but Lamar gets, you know, figures out a way to do it and, and, you know, does what Lamar Jackson does, which is, you know, put up crazy stats and, 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 highlight real plays i mean all over the place the dude's just the dude's just ridiculous and like it, it, it really is like every single week there's a new play and lamar jackson was asked about breaking someone's ankles after the game and here's what he said oh uh, that's god given um i never packed grass i just practiced by myself shaking the air nothing like that but you know that's god given and when i see a guy i'm, I'm not trying to let him tackle me you know i'm trying to Yards, score a touchdown, whatever it takes to shoot a game, win a game. He, Sean, he flat out broke someone's. I don't I remember who it was. Some defender's legs in the backfield. Like it was like a, it was like a the, the ultimate. It was just a like a triple deke, and you're 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 broken. You're broken as a human. Yeah, and this was kind of the second straight week where I feel like it wasn't the Lamar Jackson. In the, during the Ravens breakout where he was putting up 300 yards and all that, uh, because it was a good defense and it, and it was a playoff type of game. But every single week he shows you he can win this way now. It doesn't have to be the big blowouts against these bad teams. Like a good defense can come in there and challenge him. Uh, and he can overcome those challenges. Again, they only scored 24 points, but the other side of this is that 
this Ravens defense continues to creep up and up as a legitimately, I want to call them a good defense. Um, and Josh Allen came into this game on the best run of his career. His last eight games, he, we talked about this many times on this podcast. He's playing like a top 12, top 15 quarterback in half a season of work. Uh, that kind of all went out the window in this game. And I don't want to, it's not all Josh Allen's fault. He was under a lot of pressure, sacked six times, uh, but he did miss a lot of throws downfield. But I think it's more of just a testament to this Bills defense because we have seen a lot of defenses kind of get, I don't want to say carved up by the Bills, but the Bills have been able to put up points and move the ball. Uh, and they weren't able to find much success against the Ravens defense. So again, Ravens have been doing this for a while, but they can continue to prove in my eyes that they are not just the best team, but the most complete team on both sides of the ball. They sacked Josh Allen six times, you mentioned, Sean. He was hit 12 more. Uh, I watched a good part of this game. The first three series on third down, here's how it ended. Josh Allen overthrew a receiver downfield on third and four to start the game. The next third down, overthrew someone else. And then I think the next series on second down, he overthrew someone that, that could have moved the chains for a first down. So he sort of reverted back to some of the things that frustrated people with him, um, that he has been frustrating for people. But after the game, the Ravens said they blitzed him like crazy. That was a plan, and um, I think they blitzed him on something like 30 plays, and he was, I think, completed one pass out of however many attempts he had, one for 24, something like that. So that was an issue. It wasn't all his fault. Uh, and now things get really tough for for the uh, for the Bills. So they're 9-4. Mm-hmm. and four. They're the fifth seed. Next two or three are on the road at Pittsburgh, at New England, and then the Jets. So they need to win at least one game, I feel like. Um, the Steelers have have some things they have to do at eight and five, and then the Titans are the seventh seed, but New Orleans, Houston twice, and I feel like the Titans still have like an inside track at one of those playoff spots because they're playing so incredibly well. John mentioned he thought that the Saints might lose again; it could be to the Titans, and the, the Texans suddenly are terrible. So, uh, I mean, what if it, what if the well, Titans go three and zero? Bill still have a 92% chance, according to Sportsline, to make the playoffs. They have it because of how the schedule sets up. If the Titans go 3 0, that means the Texans lost two games and can finish no better 9 and 7, which means the Bills just need to get one win, like you said, to get to 10. If the Bills beat the Steelers, that's basically going to make them a lock because they'll have a head to head over the Steelers, plus either a sweep. If the Titans and Texans split, that means they can't finish any better than 10 and 6. So the fact that the Texans and Titans play each other twice over the final three weeks helps the Bills a lot because one of those teams has to lose once and one of those teams might lose twice. And one thing on this, what the Ravens defense did, if I'm Bill Belichick or if I'm a team that might be playing the Ravens in the playoffs, I really pay attention to how the Ravens attack Josh Allen because we mentioned how well Josh Allen played in this game. If the Ravens had one advantage that other teams didn't have going against Josh Allen. This is what they see in practice every day. RG3 probably runs the Bills offense better than Josh Allen does. So you get to see what a scrambling mobile quarterback does all the time. And that's easy to prepare for. The hardest thing to do when you're playing offenses like this is that you only get three practices to prepare. You can't prepare for Lamar Jackson like that. It's even hard to prepare for a guy like Josh Allen like that. But the Ravens, they're the one team that have that because that is how their team's set up because that's what their scout team does anyway. Uh, so I think the Ravens, said here, this is what we need to do to stop a mobile quarterback. We're just going to blitz all the time. Josh Allen started off one for seven. He didn't have any running room at all. He only ran two times for nine yards, and he was the NFL's second leading rusher for quarterbacks, I think. So they shut him down. And so if I'm another team, I'm saying, all right, well, maybe that's the secret to being Lamar. Maybe I need to blitz him nonstop, keep him from running, uh, and kind of do what the Ravens did to the Bills. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but I think the Bills are a lock for the playoffs. 
The Bills, I don't think, I think the Bills might be checkmated on the AFC East. They're not, a, like the Patriots haven't clinched the division, but even if, because the Bills, if the Patriots lose twice, the Bills could still jump in if the Bills went out. But um, the Patriots have the uh, the Dolphins and the Bengals as their other two matchups. And if the Bills go 3-0 and and the Patriots go 2-1, and the Patriots still have, uh, they, because they have the, uh, same, they would have the same record head to head. They'd split same record division, uh, and then common games would be the tiebreaker. And the Patriots would have that over the Bills. So, um, unless you think the Patriots can lose two games, the Bills look like a pretty safe bet. Like, like they don't have that route available to them. But I do think that the Bills will probably make the playoffs, as Breach pointed out, because of that Houston Tennessee situation. Mm. There we go, Bills fans. Mm. We think mm. you're going to make the playoffs. You're a lock. Broncos, Texans. We mentioned the Texans. Bad day to have a bad day for the Houston Texans. They lost to Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos, 38-24. to The Broncos obviously covered the plus eight. Big money line winner. The over of 42-and-a-half hit pretty easily. And uh, Drew Locke and Deshaun Watson both had 29 fantasy points. Um is Drew Locke the answer, Ryan Wilson? Yeah, he's the answer right now. I mean, it wasn't Joe Flacco, it wasn't Brandon Allen, and it took forever to get Drew Locke out there because he was on the IR for the first half of the season. And he looked good. Uh, Noah Fant looked good, which we haven't seen a lot of this season, so that, that's a, a nice development. And second-round pick in Drew Locke, you see what you have in him, and, and you go from here. And I think that's that's a they're in better shape than a lot of teams. As for the Texans, I Maybe they thought the season was over last week when they beat the Patriots and they just didn't practice this week and they <laughs> sort of just hurried to the stadium today when they found out they had a game. But it was 38-3 to in the third quarter before they woke up and sort of scored some points down the end that really didn't matter. I think this goes back to, in large part, Bill O'Brien. He's the coach. I don't know what Bill O'Brien was doing, and, you know, he said that before. He got out coached by Vic Fangio, which a lot of people haven't been able to say this year. So, uh, yeah, it's a problem for the Texans coming off their biggest win of the season to lay a turd like this. John McClain, the longtime beat reporter for the Texans, I thought he was going to lose his mind. He's at his best on Sundays when the Texans are losing and he's tweeting. And oh, yeah. <laughs> he was fired up today. He said this is the worst loss he can remember, I think, in the Bill O'Brien area, which I don't think that's true. But in the moment, he probably didn't feel great. So Didn't they lose to Miami with the, when, after uh, Ryan Mallett overslept his alarm? <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that was worse. Did um let's see if this will play. I don't know if this is any sound or not. But. By the rookie <laughs> Did you see Drew Locke's touchdown celebration? Yeah, he's going full Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, so apparently, so he's got this huge like sleeve with the plays on it that they give him, and uh, apparently his teammates are all giving him hell all week because he was wearing. He's got this giant sleeve, and they're like calling him Buzz Lightyear. So when he's when he when he got the touchdown, he ran. And he was like he was like pressing going. Pew! Acting like uh, Buzz Lightyear. The video is pretty cool. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, But the Broncos, I'm not going to sit here and stand for the Broncos and say that this is a good season for them. Disaster season. But, (laughs) but, but I mean, like, sort of your playoff expectations. Yeah, Uh, don't speak too soon, Wilson. They're not eliminated. I know. I want to hear. I want to hear. I want to hear what he says after the butt because I think there's a playoff push comment was coming. Someone tweeted at me and said, "Is Brinson back on?" I was and I quoted you. I was like, "I could see them making a push down the stretch here," which is 100 percent what you're about to say. So go on and say it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say it. They're not going to make a push. It's it's over. They're three games back in the playoffs. It's over. But here's the butt. Drew Locke is playing well. 
guys like Noah, like Noah Fant looks like a find in terms of a first round pick. They got players. You're seeing like this nucleus of young players. Cortland Sutland is a superstar. All like finding guys like that and being able to look forward to next year and say, okay, we're putting together some wins down the stretch, even though we're, you know, we're beating teams we have no business beating. You should you have no business going into Houston and whipping up on Houston. They did exactly that. Um, you know, they, they lost a bunch of one score games early on, but they're either five and eight. You're, it's, they're salvaging the season. Like we're not going to look at the season and be like, Vic Fangio has to go and all these players are terrible. John always going to be off the hook for like, from what, if he found Drew Locke and if he found all these players. So. That's, hey, quick question. Yeah. Does Joe Flacco make the Bears a better team next year? Yeah. Joe Flacco's retirement ceremony is going to be March 5th. I'm calling that now. Put that. Put me down for that. Why March what 5th? if the Bears want to sign him, though, John? He's going to say, sorry, I'm retiring on March 5th. Be at my He's going to say, conference. no, I'm sorry. I'm not interested in competing with Jameis Winston for a starting job. <laughs> I hate you guys so much. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, is that the the, the – Broncos totally had Drew Locke on training wheels in his first start against the Chargers. Kind of like, we're going to throw him out there. We're not going to do anything too difficult. And then it was like they put him on a bike down a hill that was going off the side of a Grand Canyon in this game. They let him do anything. They busted out the whole playbook. His first throw of the entire game, first play from scrimmage, I think was like a 40-yard throw to Noah Fant where there was a Texans defender right there. I think the play was from Houston. A-plus breach analogy, by the way. The uh been a while. The Broncos were at their own eight yard line. Locke takes shotgun, goes back into the end zone. You're a rookie quarterback. You're already dropping back in your end zone. You get sacked and cost your team two points. This game's over before it starts. He throws a dart about twenty five yards downfield that turns into a forty eight yard gain. Uh and, and that was really he was taking high making high risk throws with big payoffs. His touchdown pass to Noah Fant ended that first drive, and that was also a laser right up the middle that there was a defender right there. It's it's a throw that I don't think a lot of rookie quarterbacks would necessarily make, and he did it. And, and after that first series, it was just like, my God, like the, the Texans, I knew their secondary was bad, but they're not going to be able to stop them, and then they couldn't. So four, of his, four, of his first, four of his first eight passes went 25 yards or more, uh, and at halftime, he had as many touchdowns, three, as incompletions, 16 of 19 for 235 yards and three touchdowns. Not you know bad. who this – Makes look really bad. The uh, Patriots offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, hey, on the Texans, I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of this game. I don't really know why. Well, because it was a blowout right away, and the yeah, Texans yeah. were in garbage time. Like at halftime, people were like, "This could be a game where Watson doesn't even play like in parts of the third quarter." Yeah. Um, Hopkins finished with seven catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. No, family. Four catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. What? All right. So, what do we think about this race then? The the we mentioned Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Or actually, you know, what? let's let's talk about the Pittsburgh game too, and then we'll then we'll sort of loop in and do a wrap up on the AFC playoff race. Uh, Pittsburgh sneaks by the Arizona Cardinals. Boy, was it a sneak! Your man's Mike Tomlin, Ryan, who deserves love for Coach of the Year. Um, certainly, he's had a, done an incredible job. Tried to, well, I guess he didn't try to blow it all up, but his punter tried to blow it all up. Didn't get the call that the fake was off. He takes off running straight into the line. He gets swallowed up by two Cardinals defenders. Steelers hold on to win 23 to 7. Um, Kyler Murray, 20 of 30 for 194 yards, two touchdowns, three picks, including some terrible throws. Duck Hodges, 16 of 19, 152 yards, one touchdown, and several ducks caught. Benny Snell, somebody named White. 
Jr. Ran. Terrence White. He's actually the backup to uh, Devin Singletary at FAU last year. Ah, they got him off the, the the Bears practice squad, Sean. Thank you for that. Deontay Johnson, by the way, threw a touchdown pass in this game, didn't he? No, he returned, oh, he, a, punt. returned a punt for a touchdown, and he caught a touchdown pass. Uh, those two touchdowns, fun fact, Ryan, more than Antonio Brown had this season. Wah, wah. Deontay Johnson yeah. taken with a pick that they got for Antonio Brown. So Drew Hodges, Drew Hodges, Duck Hodges is now three and zero as a starter, I believe. And the saddest thing you'll ever see is when they pan to the sidelines, and Mason Rudolph is standing on the, the edge of the sidelines with his toes almost dipping into the pool, helmet on, like he's going to go in. Mason, you're not going in. Well, well, I tweeted this, and people give me crap for it, but like I think it's a fair point. And Aditi Kinkabala of NFL Network replied to me with a, um, she was like. An affirmative reply, so I, I feel better about it. But like, for all the good Mike Thomas done, what took him so long to bounce off a of Mason and two Duck Hodges? Like Duck Hodges, how is- long? How long was it? Well, the problem is they shouldn't have gone back to Mason when because didn't Hodges play in the Chargers game and he looked decent, and that was when Rudolph was con- concussed. They should have just stayed with Hodges at that point. I mean, Mason Rudolph has started eight games this year. That's Mason was fine until he got the dude who knocked out of him in that Ravens game. I'm not sure when that. We'll look and see when that is on the schedule. After that, you play him for two or three games and you figure it out and then you move on from him. When was the Ravens game? Week five. Yeah. Okay. Week five, and then he set out the Chargers game. How many games did he play after that until he got benched? Third five games after that. All right. So three three games he should have taken him out. They didn't. Uh, whatever. I mean, look, man. And you will defend. I, I like. I like this. You're like. You know you're not going to win the Super Bowl with the Steelers, so you're not high strung about it. But I you're said st- eight wins is my, my Super Bowl. Where I've I've won. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've won. Like, congrats, right? Yeah, yeah. Duck Hodges is six feet tall. He's a duck calling champion in Alabama. He was undrafted at an FCS school. You're like, bitch, Mason Rudolph, their second round pick yeah, right now. Any any human with two eyes can tell you that Mason Rudolph is not you the same? Aren't you the same? Goober stick. They were like, under no circumstances, stick. and we bitch Philip Rivers, no matter how many interceptions he throws, he deserves to be out there. That is that's a ridiculous well, comparison. Well, they have Tyrod Taylor behind him, who's a known commodity. It's not a, a young guy that – yeah, I agree with Wilson. That's yeah, for, I was going to say you're – No, no Brinson, I agree with Brinson, sorry. Yeah. Wow. That's not the same comparison. Also, like, the Chargers are in the playoff race. Yeah, like your team's, your team's winning games despite Mason Rudolph. And like Doug Hodges has shown, it's not like he's good, but he just scrambles around he's enough and good. makes a couple of throws. In, in the words of Mike Tomlin, he doesn't kill us. <laughs> like that's all you need. Mason Rudolph kills you. He's, he's, he stinks. I'll just say this. My team has been successful for many years. You two numbnuts pull for losers. Hey, so suck at losers. You know what? Your team, did you what? read the report? Buddy, pal, little chatter. Kevin Colbert, your man Omar, might be coming to Carolina. Might be coming to my team. Oh, boy. Colbert, if Colbert leaves, Steelers are done. <laughs> All right. Who's your quarterback again? Philip Rivers. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> anyway. I, 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 I'm sure David Tepper's listening. Um, I have two friends who said that they uh, they will buy season tickets. Two friends who live in Raleigh will buy Panthers season tickets at River Signs of the Panthers. One that'll, is Will and one is Will Brinson's doll named Phil. That'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll convince a, a billionaire to do what Brinson demands. Uh, quickly, I just want to say this about um, Kyler Murray. He's actually really good. That offensive line sucks so incredibly bad that he doesn't have any. He was sacked three times in the first, must have been like 16 or 17 minutes early on into the second quarter. 
He had no room to move the last series. He was sacked three more times. He threw three interceptions. One came in the very last play. Uh, his worst play of probably the season. Uh, he could have run in for a touchdown to tie the game after that crazy. No, it wasn't after the punt, but they could have tied the game, I think, in the third quarter. And he instead threw the ball right to uh, T.J. Watt in the end zone. And that, was be- that was before the punt. Okay. Well, either way, it should have been a touchdown. He could have. Yeah, it wasn't a tie, but it would it would have cut it to. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, the touchdown would have cut it to the lead significantly. He that pick was terrible. Yeah, the first pick that Joe Hayden made a great play. The last pick was the end of the game. That pick, there's no explanation for, and um, just part Cliff, of being a rookie. Cliff Kingsbury has to make the offense horizontal when they don't, when they can't block the pass rush, and they couldn't block Bud Dupree, and they couldn't block uh, T.J. Watt. All right, what do we think about the seeding in the in the AFC? Well, I'll say this quickly. Um, Where's your we, head at as a Steelers fan who desperately wants to make the playoffs and well, upset Baltimore or New England? <laughs> uh, and won my Super Bowl. I'm happy. Duck Hodges um, over Brady and Gillette. Breach mentioned this, talking about they play the Bills next. The Steelers do in Pittsburgh, their last home game of the year. Breach mentioned this about how the Patriots should pay attention to what um, the Ravens did to Josh Allen in terms of blitzing him. The Steelers didn't blitz Kyler Murray, who's I think you would argue probably more athletic than Josh Allen. They're similar type players, but they have a better pass rush in the front four, so that's probably what they'll do next week against Josh Allen. I don't know if they're going to win this game. The the, the uh, Bills are a really good football team. Fun fact, those two coaches matching up against each other, went to college with both of them. This first time I think they faced each other, too, in the regular season. We, oh, we are, some, are you guys all going to go? Are you going to go? No. No. It's in, it's in Pittsburgh. I'm not going to that. I miss well, podcast. Are you going to go to William & Mary and watch it? Yeah. I'm already there. So the Steelers' uh, schedule, Yeah, are you going to go to William & Mary? I've already been there, John. I have my diploma. Don't you go to graduate school? The Steelers' schedule looks – Difficult. So you have the Bills, the Jets, the Ravens. But if you look at what they've done this year, they've been kind of the one team that has done really well against mobile quarterbacks. Like the 49ers, great defense, but they've been thrashed by mobile quarterbacks this year. You had them against Russell Wilson back in week two, and even though they lost Ben Roethlisberger and they were playing Mason Rudolph, who can barely throw a forward pass, they almost won that game. Final score was They won the game if not for that overturned defensive pass, offensive pass interference. So they probably should have won that game. Then you look at that week five game against the Ravens, the one where Mason Ruff went out with a concussion, where Duck Hodges, who probably had not held a football in a month because he was out doing his duck calls, gets tossed into the game, and they still only lose that game in overtime. And that was against Juju Smith-Schuster fumbles. And and they probably should have won that game. And that was against Lamar. And then you look at the Cardinals They beat Phillip Rivers, noted mobile quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, Breach, Lamar had three interceptions in that game. Well, I'm saying, and then you look at what they did to Kyler, who threw three interceptions. So the Steelers' defense has done really well against mobile quarterbacks, and they have Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson left, and it makes it, you know, like the Ravens game, people probably look at the schedule and say, hey, that's a loss, but they should have won that first time. I don't think it would be crazy if the Steelers go 2-1, and one, and I think 3-0 and oh might be a little crazy, but... No, I, well, let me ask you this, because I'm going to be realistic. I think uh, if they go 9-7, and seven, do they make it? No, I don't think they make it a nine and seven. Really? I think I think I think ten wins is absolutely what it's going to take because you think you the have, Texans are going to win two games? The Bills only need one more win to get to ten. So then you're at Houston and Tennessee who play each other this week, which means one of them is going to be at nine wins after this week, and then that team would only need to win one more time over the final two weeks. So I just think that ten wins is going to be what it takes to get that final yeah, spot in the AFC. The Titans lose this weekend; they're they're in deep doo doo. Mean. Titans lose because then they have to play at New Orleans or New Orleans, and then they have to play at Houston. All right, well, so I, both Houston and Tennessee are eight and five. The winner of that game will be 
obviously nine and five and in first place in the division. The loser will be eight and six. And depending on what happens with Pittsburgh and Buffalo, the lo- like Houston could wake up. This is why the, the that Broncos game is so inexplicable. Like Houston could wake up next Monday and be out of the playoffs. Well, they weren't awake today. <laughs> Ryan Hanks got them. I'm out. Um, dunk, dunked on Bob Bill O'Brien to Bob Dunk. I think. All right, Pittsburgh, so you guys think it, the uh, the Steelers have to win at least two more? Yeah, I think so. But I think I think the Pitch, I think the Steelers will win two more. Who are they beat? Buffalo and the Jets. Okay. What's a what's the early line on the Bills game? Minus three Steelers. Um, that's my guess. Uh, it, Steelers. Steelers are sixty-eight percent. It's, it's one and a half. Steelers are favored by one and a half. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It is a fascinating <laughs> game. So, thumbs up or thumbs what's the, down? What's the over/under? Like twelve. <laughs> Under. So, who thinks the Steelers are going to make the playoffs? I, I, I do. I do. I do not. You don't. I'm going to be the contrarian. I don't think they're going to make it. Viking Steelers Super Bowl still alive. Then I throw all these predictions in y'all's faces. <laughs> so, Breach, so, Breach, you have two teams from the South making it? Yeah, I think the Titans and Texans are going to make it from the South. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work. but Because you just pointed out that they play each other and therefore Ooh, they're going to kill the way, each other. Hey, this is just worth noting. Right now it's looking, and this is seven days in advance, so who the hell knows. The weather is looking like. 13 miles an hour wind, snow showers throughout the day in uh, in Heinz Field. Who do you think that favors, Buffalo or, or Pittsburgh? Buffalo. Favors the defense. <laughs> I mean, I, the problem, I don't know. And I mean, the team that runs the ball better. Yeah. I think Buffalo because their quarterback can just turn into a running back. But, see, that was the thing, and we didn't really touch on that. Um, but the, the thing that surprised me about that Bills-Ravens game is that, like, neither one of those teams ran the quarterback. Like Lamar ran eight times, eleven times. It was like for forty yards or something. They didn't do any design runs for Josh Allen. They couldn't. That they they were blitzing silly. He had he had no ability to do anything. He was suffocated the whole day. Plays. They didn't call it design runs. I don't like he was. They had people in his face, so I don't know how but many. You wouldn't be blitz on a design run. You can do run blitzes. Those those things exist. Okay. He's blitzed like thirty plays. This is, like the, this is like the opposite of Belichick saving talking about football. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> uh, <all right. laughs> There's Ron Blitzes. Make sure to tune in Tuesday night, 9 p.m. on HBO. It's really good. Um, any uh, any more AFC takeaways? What are we going to – uh, so who do we think is going to win the South? Because three of us here think the Steelers are making the playoffs, which means we – and we all think the Bills are making the playoffs, which means it's Houston or Tennessee, one's out, one's in. I mean, this is reactionary to what we saw today, but I'm not betting against the Titans. They look awesome. Yeah, they they're awesome. They are – their offense is incredible. It's a revelation. What if the Browns went out? Uh, that would be fascinating. <laughs> that would be the impossible happening. That would make them 9-7. They would have to be air. I mean, Baltimore. They play the Cardinals, the Ravens, and the Bengals. And not getting you. I don't think nine. I think you got to have ten. Yeah, that's kind of what we decided while you were up grabbing your I think, beer. I think you get there. Yeah. I was, say. <laughs> I was like, as soon as I opened that beer, I was like, why did I do that? I don't even want this beer. Yeah, you do. Comes, a, comes an hour after he was going to make coffee at eleven thirty at night. <laughs> I'd really be drinking if I'd made coffee. All right. Um, Browns, Bengals. 
Uh, I watched every minute. Yuck. So I again, so two so people so. on planet Earth watch this game, me and Breach. Uh, well, let's talk about Odell Beckham real quick. We'll probably talk about this a little bit after Monday night, but um, you know, Baker Mayfield gets up after the game and is asked about OBJ's injury, which is a sports hernia injury, and, and Baker, being the big leader that he is, decides to throw his medical staff under the bus. Yeah, um, I'd say that you know what wasn't handled right. Um, he's not able to run as well as he should be able to, uh, as well as he knows, and that's frustrating for him. Uh, it's You can sense that's some of his frustration, where that comes from. So uh, it wasn't handled the right way in our training room. So, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, it is what it is. And so his not 100% is still good enough for us. What do you mean? What, what was not handled right? Um, I think it could have been addressed earlier on. Yeah, I think looking back on obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, yeah, he probably would have missed first two, uh, one or two, uh, you know, just based on the fact that it was during training camp. But it is what it is. We're we're here right now. Uh, it's too late to do that, and he's he's fighting through pain. He's playing through pain. So um, that, that shows you what type of guy he is. What what grade do you give him there, Breach, for blasting the docks? I mean, if we're grading throwing people under the bus, that's an A plus. <laughs> it sure is. That is talk about this whole thing just totally blew up with the whole report about Odell needing sports hernia surgery and playing through it. And he's going to wait till the off season to make it happen. And after the game, what we just heard Baker say is, Hey, he probably should have had surgery in August during training camp. Then he only missed one or two weeks and then he would have been healthy. And so this is, I mean, this is, I don't even know if this is throwing under the bus. This is like driving a bus off a cliff with only the training staff. In the bus because there's no – and Baker tried to apologize on Twitter, and there's no way to – I, I hope he doesn't get injured because I would not want to go into that training room after making a comment like that. Yeah, seriously. He's like, hey, Baker, unfortunately, we have to pull out your toenails. <laughs> Bad news, pal. We gotta, Baker, we gotta, that tooth <laughs> is looking a little loose. We're going to go ahead and pull that out. It's the like buying a bus, driving to the doctor's house, and like running him over repeatedly with it. Hey, look, I, I don't know what's gonna. This I don't. I think having to have surgery after the uh, in the off season is gonna hurt your little trade thing, Ryan. No, that's not part of the plan, dude. I ain't worried about a little hernia surgery. He'll be off the market. People like, oh, Odell Beckham. He's he's washed up. He's twenty seven years old. And then comes Bill Belichick. Just like this, you can't hear him. He's a silent assassin. Takes Odell Beckham back to New England. Everything's solved. Uh, Breaking Mayfield played like crap in this game. As I said, I watched the entire game. He was 11 of 24 for 192 yards, two interceptions. Breach knows it should have been three interceptions. They returned one late in the game on, they, they, they overturned the interception because of defensive pass interference. They finally decided to call, which I was, why now this week? They did that a couple times this week in, in different games. I don't, Al Riveron woke up from the coma. I have no idea what happened. So he's back. What is it? They, they have, they are changing a lot of these now. You know why they're doing it, I think? Here's another conspiracy theory that I was talking to Belichick about when we were talking about the Beckham trade. I think now that we're getting closer to the playoffs, they want to be like, oh, don't forget, we made all these rules changes, so please notice that we're doing it now. We didn't do it the first 13 weeks because we were too lazy to. But now when something happens in the playoffs, let, just be assured that we're going to overturn the call, unless your name's Sean Payton. Coaches and- coaches should be, more, like, honestly, the last three weeks of the season, they should be way more aggressive about challenging well, they until- they're flipping them left and right. Like they're buzzing down and changing them like crazy. It's unbelievable how much they're doing that. If you want an example of how bad of a coach Freddie Kitchens is, this game is it. 
The Bengals literally have the worst rushing defense in the NFL. If Ryan and Will are my offensive linemen, Sean could probably rush for 100 yards on them. And at the two-minute warning in the first half, and mind you, the Browns have one of the top rushers in the NFL with Nick Chubb. At the two-minute warning in the first half, they had run the ball four times. (laughs) Four times. And as Ryan just mentioned, Baker Mayfield had a horrible game. So instead of running the ball with the one of the best running backs in the NFL against one of the worst rushing defenses, Freddie Kitchen said, no, I'm going to let my quarterback, who's clearly off, he got off to a slow start, never looked good. I'm just going to let Baker Mayfield keep throwing passes until he gets 10 interceptions because that is looked <laughs> like what they were planning to do here. It was mind-boggling that he only gave his running backs four carries up until the two-minute warning of the first half. They gave Nick Chubb the ball a few more times in the second half. He ended up with 15 carries for 106 yards. But it is just insane that Freddie Kitchens is sitting on the sideline calling these plays. I honestly just think he doesn't pull it out of a hat because he doesn't have a hat on the sideline. But maybe he's got, like, slips in a pocket. He's just like, ooh, uh, a post route. And uh, uh, <laughs> he's just pulling multiple slips out and putting them together and then Telling that to Baker and the helmet. It, it was just hor- bad play calling by the Browns. The Browns could have won this game by three touchdowns if they were to just handed it to Nick Chubb on every single play. Hey, he, averaged, he averaged seven yards per carry. I said this going in. I was like, just run Nick Chubb outside and throw the ball to Kareem Hunt. That's all you have to do all game, and you will slaughter the Bengals. And Let me ask you this, Brenton. You you be Freddie Kitchens, and, and I'll be a reporter. Uh, hey, I just put it myself. <laughs> he, he said all season that he doesn't coach penalties. So, uh, I didn't coach him penalties. Freddie, let me ask you this. If you don't coach penalties, why does your team lead the league in penalties by a large margin? What would you attribute that to? Listen, here's the deal. I don't know why macaroni and cheese <laughs> has so many different cheeses in it, okay? I don't understand it. I don't need to know it. All I know is that when you have a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, that's your macaroni. And you have Odell Beckham. That's your cheese. You mix them together. <laughs> Any more questions? I mean, it is a Saturday Night Live skit. I, I mean, I don't know. What he's, you can't bring him back. You are. You really can't. They're. Uh, I think. I think they might bring him back. You can. You can. I mean, it'll be. It'll make for fun times for us. But uh, we said it a lot. With that Jeremy Fowler report came out about the Browns weren't expecting to win this year. It's next year. That screamed. We're already doing PR and when we bring him back. I think the only way they would not bring him back is if they can convince like Ron Rivera to come to Cleveland. That would be a good hire. Like, yeah. Even if he's not like whatever, like analytically like minded, that team just needs someone who can discipline them and like control them. And a well coached Browns team. Yes. A well coached Browns team is in the playoffs. And who will let an offensive minded coach call the offensive plays? Exactly. <laughs> Just the last three weeks, let's just give Todd Monk in the playbook and let's just see what happens. Like, like this isn't working. Let's try something else with the offensive coordinator. You but hired. you know why he won't do that? Because if he did and the offense took off, the owners would be like, well, what do we even need this guy for? Bye, Freddie. You're out, man. Yeah. And take your T-shirts with you. <laughs> uh, Falcons 40, Panthers 20. Falcons mm-hmm. covered the three and a half point spread. The over hit at 48. Matt Ryan lit it up. Not an ideal uh, first performance by the Perry Fuel-led uh, Carolina Panthers. The Falcons swept the series. Five straight wins against the Panthers. Yikes. Three straight by 14 or more. Season high for, in points. 
Julio Jones topped a thousand yards, sixth straight season for him. Uh, Devontae Freeman was pretty good. His first rush, rushing touchdown since 2017. Matt Ryan, 20 of 34 for 313 yards and two touchdowns. He threw one of those touchdowns passes to someone named Olamide Zacchaeus. UBA baby, undrafted free agent. There you go. 93 yard touchdown. The longest passing touchdown in the NFL this year. The tenth player in NFL history with fifty thousand passing yards. Matt Ryan is very exciting stuff. Uh, the Panthers have a negative sixty-five point differential in their five-game losing streak. Um, I, suffice to say, I don't think that Perry Fuel is going to get the job. Yeah, well, the most damning part of this game was what Panthers quarterback Dante Jackson said after the game when oh, yeah. he when he took shots at the play calling. Uh, so they asked him on the coverage calls on the Falcons' two touchdown passes. He said, quote, first of all, it was two bad calls, two horrible calls, two calls that we didn't call in those situations all week at practice. They asked him about the 93-yard touchdown pass he allowed. He said, backed up, third and seven, called an engage eight blitz. We sent everybody to leave the corners out there on an island by themselves. Zero coverage, no help, backed up with a quarterback like that? I don't care if you're Champ Bailey or any of those quarterbacks on the NFL Top 100 list. That is a play that's hard to make for any guy, especially with a quarterback like Matt Ryan. So you, uh, that's kind of not what you want to hear when you are gunning potentially for to make yourself the permanent coach. Safe to say, not, not happening. That's like the Joe Philbin throwing the challenges like in the first minute of the first game. Like you have that happen, you're done. It's over. <laughs> Speaking of challenges, Perry Fuel, two for two in his career as a head coach, challenging uh, plays. Those challenges came more than a decade apart. That's incredible. He has challenged two plays. The last one was in 2009. Like, that's insane to think about. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about with this game. Kyle Allen, uh, people are ready to call the Kyle Allen experiment over. That's fine. I don't, I don't care. Do you want to argue about it? No, let Will Greer play. All right, next game, let's go. Dan Quinn done? He keeps winning. I wouldn't say he keeps winning. I mean, they got four wins. (laughs) Only four fewer than we thought they should have at this point. (laughs) Yeah. They do have four wins, Ryan. That's correct. Listen, they all can't, everyone can't beat the Steelers, okay? (laughs) So you, Dan Quinn, all right. Bucks 38, Colts 35. Ouch, Colts. This is a bad game. You could not lose. Bucks push minus three. It was one of my best bets. Wah, wah. Over 46 and a half. I should have taken that. Wah, wah. Jameis Winston, 42 fantasy points. Woo. Um, and saw, three interceptions. Imagine if he didn't throw picks every time he turned around. I mean, it was, this is everything about Jameis Winston encapsulated in this game. He had like a pick six. Did you see his incompletion? He threw the best incompletion in the history of incompletions. He threw a ball that if he had been in, in Cowboy Stadium, it had hit the scoreboard. He threw it straight up. I did not see it. And it, it the wind must have caught it because it went it landed out of bounds. But I mean, it looked like the world's highest punt. It was insane. I haven't tried to find it, but I watched it live. I was like, this, this is like some circus type stuff. Bruce Arians said the resiliency of this team is growing on me. Three in a row, Indianapolis is a good team missing some guys, but we made a couple receivers look like Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. It wasn't our best, but we won. That's nice. Um, Sean, do you want us to play the uh, – are you asking for us to play the, the office clip? I feel like we should as so, we talk about – Yeah, I mean, so there's – I don't even remember this clip from the office, but Will Farrell is uh, in it, and um, uh, Jeff Eisenband, who uh, is at MSG Networks, um, 
he tweeted this. He was like, this is Jameis Winston's agent meeting with NFL teams this offseason. It's, uh, it's old Andy Bernard and, uh, and Will Ferrell. Uh, D'Angelo of- Vickers. Who? D'Angelo Vickers. That was Will, Will Ferrell's name. Ah, good for you. Um, D'Angelo Vickers and Andy Bernard on a sales pitch meeting. And this is uh, Jameis Winston's agent meeting with NFL teams this offseason. You could be making the biggest mistake of your life or the biggest good decision of your life. It's either going to be the best thing you ever did or the worst thing you ever did. If you want some boring white bread clock watcher who's going to get you your paper when you ordered it for the agreed upon price, Andy's not your guy. You ever play Russian roulette? (laughs) Time to spin the chamber bars by signing up for another year. (laughs) Sean, that's you. I mean, they are definitely running this back for another year. And we're, somebody's going to talk themselves into picking the box to win the division. That's uh, going to be awesome. Something notable from this game we should touch on is that Mike Evans caught a touchdown bomb. It was only 61 yards. Um, appeared to tear or do something really bad to his hamstring in the process of that. And it sounds like he's at least going to be out until week 17, Bruce Arians made it sound like. But I just wouldn't be surprised if they just shut him down completely. They, they should shut him down. And, and like that only matters obviously for for fantasy reasons, but they wait. they should shut him down absolutely. Uh, Breach, what happened to the Colts? They collapsed and they are now six and seven, and somehow behind the Raiders and the Browns in the playoff race. They were leading the division, and and Frank Wright was the coach of the year. Is it just all the injuries? Yes, it is all the injuries. If you would have told uh, this is what the Colts, I think we all thought they were going to be back in August when Andrew Luck retired. We're like, this team's probably going to go eight and eight. And they're going to be okay, but they're not going to win this division. And then they got hot at the beginning of the season. And then everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon and thought maybe they could win the division. But this is – it just eventually becomes too much. Who's Jacoby Brissett throwing to out there? You don't have – he hasn't had T.Y. Hilton for a few weeks. I just got Marlon Mack back. So they're just moving off – they're losing – they're missing offensive weapons all over the place. But it is crazy because if you would have told me that Jameis Winston was going to throw three interceptions, including a pick six – I would have thought for sure the Colts win this game by three touchdowns. And the most surprising thing is that their biggest issue was their defense. They had a 35-21 lead midway through the third quarter. They're up two touchdowns. There's no reason they should have blown that lead. And then their four possessions after getting that lead were punt, lost fumble, missed field goal, was not Adam Banatari. It was Chase McLaughlin. And a turnover on down. So they just kind of fell all over themselves. I don't know what to say. They fell all over themselves. <laughs> there you go. Mmm. 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 No, I, 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 uh, look, do the Colts have a prayer of winning the division? Stop it. I mean, how many prayers are we talking about? I know it's Four five to six prayers. Billion. Well, if the Titans and uh, Texans split. And the Colts are allowed to play 20 more games against the Jets and win them all. They only have the they have the Saints. They have to go into New Orleans and win. They have to win out. Listen, you're filibustering for some reason. Please go to the next game. <laughs> the Colts aren't going to win the. The Colts aren't winning out. That's the problem. Is every scenario involves them winning out, and they're not winning out. All right, you guys buried the Colts pretty quick. We Jets, buried them last week. Right, Jets 22, Dolphins 21. Screw this game. 
and screw the kickers and screw the coaches and screw all the people involved in this game. Screw you all. How are there not 40? How are there not 50 points in this game? How the hell was that possible? I lost my balls on this game because they kicked 10 field goals. You ten, hate to see it. 10 field goals. This was a fantasy game for me. I, I, I fantasize about games with 10 field goals, Brenton. I was losing my mind. They scored 45 points, and I think there was one touchdown in this game. I was about to freak out. I had the over at 45 and 46, big, and all they had to do was find a way to make one more touchdown. By the way, the Dolphins should have won this game, and Brian Flores, like uh, Zach Taylor, got screwed on a DPI call late in the game to set up the game-winning field goal for Sam Fickleberger, and uh, that's how the Jets won it, Sam Fickin. That was a joke. He was pissed, too. He ran up to the refs immediately after. He was like, what? That was horse bleep. He didn't yell bleep, obviously. But uh, <laughs> the two teams. That was a weird teams, thing he did. Two, these two teams, the Jets and the Dolphins, who, by the way, both should be shot into the sun, combined to go one of nine in the red zone. Uh, just so we're clear, do you think the Jets still have a chance to make the playoffs? <laughs> uh, he never said that, Ryan. He said push. He push. said push. Well, they pushed right to the next season. There's by the way, Devon. And? Devontae Parker left this game early with a concussion. Only at 28 yards. Sammy Watkins at 50 yards. So the gap is now less than 300 yards heading into the final. 300? How Eight, ashamed. 882 to 588. Sammy. Also, the, also, you know what? F you. No. The Jets are 4-1 and one in their last five games. This is exactly what I said would happen. They would make a push. Are they going to the playoffs? No, I said a playoff push. I didn't say they'd make the playoffs. Who are they pushing exactly? Yeah. They're about to push the Steelers out of the playoffs. That, Whoa. Yeah, we got him to recommit. He doubled down. Yeah, there he is. Never mind. I already, been bet, I already, bet, on, I already bet on the Ravens minus 14 on Thursday. So. I think we at least need to give a shout-out to Jason Sanders, the Dolphins kicker. He made seven field goals. That's the second most in a game in NFL history. And the crazy thing is he actually missed a field goal in this game. That's how many times the Dolphins drove up and down the Jets' throats and not getting into the end zone, as Brenton mentioned. 0 for 6 in the red zone because they attempted a field goal pretty much every single time. But he missed an attempt from 34 yards. If he would have hit that, he would have tied the NFL record for most field goals in a game that is held by Rob Baronis. And on a personal note, for me, this game was like Walking into a bar and you see Megan Fox and she starts hitting on you, it was just a welcome surprise. That's... Oh, TV, TBT, uh, Megan Fox. I have a fun fact about Jason Sanders via fantasy football today. He had 24 fantasy points. He outscored Alvin Kamara, Tevin Coleman, Odell Beckham, Curtis Samuel, and Jack Doyle combined. Uh... So if you had him in the fantasy playoffs, you probably won your matchup with your kicker. Almost 100%. That's why you should not have kickers in fantasy. Wrong. Yeah, kickers. Kicker, look, kickers are trash humans. Their sons are trash humans. Their family are trash humans. You shouldn't have them in your family. Why does Brent, you know what? Why does he lash out at people and think so bad for him? <laughs> Brinson hates kickers. Somebody actually tweeted me a couple weeks ago about advice for their all kicker league. And I'm still not even sure if they were just kidding or if someone out there is actually in an all kicker fantasy league. So someone, if you were listening, uh, Please tweet at me again because I forgot to respond, and it's buried now. It's so far back in my mentions, I'll never find it. But someone out there may or may not be in an all-kicker fantasy league. I, I legitimately may hate Adam Gase at this point. He is so bad at his job. Thank you. He runs like he ran Bilal Powell into the line 40 times today. 
just over and over and over. It's like, and it's, look, Sam Darnold didn't have a good day. He missed a bunch of throws. I think he hurt his hand at some point, and you could tell his accuracy was off. Like he had two early touchdown passes. He looked like he was rolling. And then they just tried to run it with Bilal Powell. Like, just chunk it deep to Robbie Anderson repeatedly. The Dolphins cannot cover you. They should have blitzed the Dolphins, and, and it's just so annoying. It's almost like we talk about all the time about how he stays up and doesn't sleep. It's like he's actually trying to devise the worst possible game plan. Like, he has the under, and, like, that's what he's trying to do. That is the only explanation for why he's staying up that late. Because no one stays up that late to call, runs up the middle, and then check downs behind the line of scrimmage on third and eight, which is yeah. all the – all like, Adam gets you know you know what maybe Adam at this point it's a diminishing returns go get some sleep okay pal get some sleep eat some eat some melatonin and get some sleep which is like funny because it relates to Ryan Tannehill because we're talking about how deep he's throwing the ball downfield and that is I think directly tied to him being freed from Adam Gase's offense where now yeah. he can finally look downfield um, and shouts to our boy um, Arthur FedEx why am I playing <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Debo says we got to finish this last game in six minutes so we can get out in under two hours. Okay. Oh, Good God. God. If you were still listening, we love you. I mean, who knows? Chargers 45, Jags 10. I, I, like, I don't, I don't even know. The Jaguars have lost, uh, I think the number is the last five games. Their point differential is like 100 minus 125 in the last five games. That's that incredible. Uh, Chargers covered minus three, obviously. 45-10. The over at 42 and a half hit. Phillip Rivers, 30 fantasy points. Gardner Minshew didn't matter. The Chargers, of course, look good once they, uh, you know, once they get rolling. The Jaguars are the only team in a single season since 1986 to lose five straight games by 17 plus points. The 86 Bucks were the last team to drop five straight by at least 17. Um, Austin Eckler, eight carries, 101 yards, four catches, 112 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Career high, 213 yards from scrimmage. First career game with 100 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving. And just the second player in Chargers history with 100 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving in a single game. Joining, guess who? What other Chargers running back do you think had 100 yards receiving and 100 yards rushing in a game? Danian Tomlinson. That's incorrect, Breach. Chuck Muncy. Trick question. Lionel James. LT never did it. Got him. Yeah, got dunked on. In the two-hour mark, he got finished. Um, yeah, the Jags suck. They may need a quarterback. Phil Rivers, he should have retired after this game because this is the best game he's played in a long time. 154.4 passer rating. Didn't so, start in yeah. fantasy, obviously. I started Fitzpatrick. Um, do, uh, do the Jags fire everybody? I think they fire everybody. Uh, what, what are you keeping them around for? I mean, they have the same record as Dan Quinn and the Falcons, mind you. But at least Dan Quinn has Matt Ryan. What is what is uh, whoever ends up being the coach have in Jacksonville? Nothing. A bunch of bloated contracts, bad roster, and uh, and Nick and a, Foles and a, and a dinosaur as your guy making your football decisions. Matt so. Coughlin's out too. You think he? Oh, you think he's out? I was thinking right, yeah. fire everyone, McCoughlin. Okay, good. he gave the speech to the fans like, "Don't give up on us." He's out. He knows he's out. Um, by the way, big day for regression. Mike Williams and Robert Woods both had their first touchdown catches of the year. That's exciting. Okay, we have reached the end of this podcast. Clearly. Um, Make sure and uh, the Jags eliminated from the playoffs. Make sure and download, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening to all two hours of the recap podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back on uh, Monday. Oh, we had a Monday night preview that's in the feed. Devo and I will be up recording it in like three hours. And um, make sure and check out our Monday night recap as well. Are we doing one for that game? It's just Eagles Giants. 
Yes. <laughs> I- I'm just kidding. I'll be mm. there. Mm. 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 How many times mm. can I say mm, to get us past two hours, Diva? Too many. Diva was... Debo was literally scooting away from the desk to like to wrap it up, and then you drew him back in by asking him a question, and he had to like slide back across. To get All right, there. He, he did the Collinsworth slide. <laughs> okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, 